Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Nintendo! Welcome 
to Nintendo Voice Chat for the week of February 24th. 5th, 2016. I almost forgot. My name is Jose Otero, and this is IGN's Nintendo Show. We've got a very special episode this week because we have two panels going on, so mm-hmm. we're going to kick this off with this portion of the show. I am joined by Brian Altano. What's up? And Zach Ryan. Hey. Producer brat, brat. extraordinaire here at IGN. That's right. And we are going to be talking about Zelda Twilight Princess. We're not going to spend uh, any time talking about how well Fire Emblem's doing. If you haven't caught in the news, Fire Emblem Fates is selling very well. Um, a couple times better than Awakening did. Which 300 is really million copies, 300K. And it's opening weekend, uh, which was really cool to hear. Glad to hear that game's off to a good start. Uh, really good job, Nintendo, on that game. We have reviews on IGN for all three campaigns. This week, we are talking about Twilight Princess. We're going to kick things off there. Um, talk a little bit about HD. Talk a little bit about the original unveil for that game, which is such an important moment, I feel, in video game oh, history. Yeah, absolutely. And then after the break, we are going to come back. Uh, the Pokemon explosion begins because mm-hmm. this week Nintendo is announcing something, or Nintendo and Pokemon Company are working together to announce something about uh, potentially the next Pokemon. We don't know. Yeah. Not so stick as around of right for now. That. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, this portion of the show was recorded on Thursday, so we know nothing. Um, so at the second half, you'll hear at least me surprised. Zach and uh, Brian won't be here, but yeah. we'll have a good panel of what it's Pokemon like, uh, experts. What was it like? Nintendo cereal was like two bags in one box. Yeah, you're getting two two bags of cereal in one box of NVC. wasn't like a, it. wasn't a great cereal, but still. all right. So let's travel, gentlemen. Time travel back to 2004. Yep. It is E3. GameCube is in a weird place. Uh, I feel, sure. but despite being in a weird place in the hearts and minds of some folks. That was the year that Nintendo showed off what was just being called The Legend of Zelda. And it was everything that the Wind Waker reveal was not. Right. When Wind Waker was shown a, li- a bit closer, because there was the Space World demo that everyone went nuts for. When, that's right, that's right. Yes. When, well, and when, that's. So, sorry to interrupt, but no, that, no. that's sort of the thing about about the reveal of Twilight Princess was it? I I felt like that was definitely a make good for the teaser that they put out at Space World, right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. the Space World demo was this kind of gritty, realistic look, more along the lines of Ocarina. Mm-hmm. And then when a few years down the line, when they revealed Wind Waker and it was this cartoon cell shaded thing, people were like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, yeah, what happened to that Zelda? Yep. That's mm-hmm. the one that I want to play. Which yeah. is interesting. People people ended up coming around really hard on Wind right. Waker. Me especially. I mean, actually, I loved it from the start, but uh, I remember just sort of defending it in the room, but then it turned out to be one of my favorite Zeldas. Mm -hmm. But So when they announced Wind Waker, did they call it The Legend of Zelda? Um, Like, is that a thing they do? Because that's what they did with Zelda for Wii U. It's just been The Legend of Zelda, Um, right? So I didn't do my homework to check that original reveal. However, any time they are showing, like, prototype footage or early footage of whatever the next thing could be, they usually will just call it working title The Legend of Zelda. See, I feel like it was Wind Waker out of the gate. I mean, we're talking about Twilight Princess, but I do feel like the first time that we saw... The Wind Waker. I remember seeing it first in EGM, mm-hmm. yeah, and it yeah. was called The Wind Waker then. No, totally, totally. Yeah. And but it was a surprise for fans because, like we were talking about earlier, Space World showed, like you had said, sort of an adult link fighting, fighting Ganon, a, a Ganon mm-hmm. a Ganondorf looking character as well. Like still, sort of remained in that right. style. And so here we are at E three two thousand four, and it was one of the biggest reactions that has ever happened at an E3 since. Oh, like, yeah. I don't think, yeah. I don't even think the, the the disc between Sony and Microsoft with here's how you share a, mm-hmm. a, a, a game on PS4 may have gotten the reaction that Twilight Princess got. Well, because that video was great and it was funny and it was viral, but it didn't have like this pulsing symphonic music behind it that got the crowd yeah. screaming yeah. Well, and, it was, and it was clapping. The, it was a Conan theme. It yeah. was one of the, it right. was one of the uh, themes from the Conan movies. Um, and it showed 
you know, Link on horseback. It showed combat on horseback. Right. It yeah. showed an adult proportion like Link moving around, moving blocks, you know, riding through the fields. Um, no side that. of Ganon anywhere. Yeah. It was just, this is what the next Legend of Zelda will look like. And then they, they also had that moment where you had the um, the boss's name is Phyrus. Yeah. But he's the Balrog-looking right. Lord of the Rings thing. And you're just right. like, what? Yep. So yeah, no, he's no those wolf. chains and no, no wolf no in that wolf. reveal. No wolf and it also in that ended with yeah. it also ended him with him with Link doing that sword spin and sheathing his sword and the mm-hmm. close up on his face looking deadly serious. Yeah, right. yeah, and I remember yeah. the first videos that went up online of Twilight Princess, the reveal at E3, uh, you could hear people screaming. Yeah, you could hear people crying. Yeah. The the noise <laughs> at the end of the trailer was was like probably deafening yeah. in that room. Mm-hmm. And it's something that Alnuma talked about in the making of documentaries that they're putting yeah, out now. Right the, now. These BTS things. Um, that's behind the scenes. Um, <laughs> but uh, he, his team is talking about how rejuvenating that was because they had been under the gun developing this right. game. And that when they got that sort of reaction at E3, they were like, they took a step back and said, okay, at least we know that we're on the right path. So, awesome. Yeah. And the yeah. funny thing is, and maybe, maybe this is like hyperbole talking, but I feel like had Aonuma revealed New Zelda on stage at E3 in the same way, I think it would have gotten a similar reaction. Like the minute he snaps his fingers in that video, our jaws all dropped. And I know. Like, what? Yeah. You just couldn't hear what? them. Yeah. What is this? Like, what is what is? It looks like this. And then you got that that quick scene where you know Link runs away on horseback and jumps out and pulls out his bow and arrow. Well, we thought we were looking at like a screensaver. And then, right. And then and then it started moving, and it was yeah. like, yeah. wait a minute. It was a very very smart way to yeah. reveal that game in similar fashion to the way you know this Legend of Zelda was revealed. But there were so many things that weren't there. Um, but we still walked away so excited. Then over time, we would eventually learn the news when we was announced that this game would be appearing on both platforms. That it was going to be released um, on, you know, we first, and then a month later, roughly a month later, depending on your territory, right. on GameCube. Um, and here we are, where like this game sort of came out, and the excitement was still there. But I feel like something kind of changed because I feel like at the time I can't quite tell. I feel like I saw a lot of tens, I saw a lot of nines, and I saw a lot of excitement. But I wonder if that has stayed in the hearts and minds of people today. With Twilight Princess, with Twilight Princess. So it was always an interesting um, way to kick off a brand new console because uh, I remember getting Wii Sports and getting Twilight Princess at the same time, mm-hmm. and immediately connecting with how. Wii Sports presented the 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 Wii controller, the Wii remote, as something that was different than anything I'd ever used before, and then kind of immediately putting a question above Twilight Princess, being like, "Well, if this works fundamentally on GameCube, right? Then why is this on the Wii? Like, what is what is this really doing that's adding to anything?" And then like putting some time in, you quickly realize that all you you were basically they had mapped gest- button presses to gestures. Right. And you were basically twisting your arm. It looks weird when I do it in the well, room. And it wasn't one to yeah. but <laughs> it wasn't one to one is no, the it point wasn't. you're trying to make. It, wasn't. it was more about the pointer controls were improved for aiming and things like and that. And so that stuff arrow. was really cool, right? And that yeah. wasn't immediately apparent when you first saw videos the character using a sword or anything mm-hmm. like that when it really started shining was the pointer controls and right. there was that there was that temple with the dual hook shots and yeah that's when it was like or you know stuff with the bow that you totally. see early on yeah or the first mm-hmm. time you use a slingshot so like, let me ask you did you both play it for the first time on the wii yes yes okay yeah. so i played it for the first time my first playthrough of twilight princess was on GameCube. oh interesting yeah because i was i had a gamecube i i wasn't sold on the wii mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i 
that well, month, you couldn't find a Wii. Well, yeah. that too. But <laughs> yeah. that month wait in between the release on the Wii and when I could play it on GameCube was mm-hmm. borderline excruciating. Right. But it's funny because like I don't associate Twilight Princess with those gestures at all because I played it on the Wii. So right. it's interesting to me to Which play go it, back it, and play it, was, it on. As somebody who grew up playing Nintendo games and how, especially when they ship different versions of them, like Pokemon Red and Blue, Legend of Zelda, Oracle of Ages, and Oracle Seasons, mm-hmm. it flipped me out to think that there were people playing the same Zelda game as me at the same time, but playing it in mirror in mode. Reverse, yeah. And also, I think on GameCube it had dedicated widescreen. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, on Wii, it had dedicated 16 by 9 uh, aspect ratio. Oh, but on right. GameCube, you had full on 360 GameCube, camera control. You did, but yeah. you only had 4 by 3 uh, aspect right. ratio. Yeah. Yeah. So there was like... But I it ran in progressive mode. Sorry. But I, I remember going in like yeah. GameFAQs and getting in like fanboy wars where people are being like... You well, went the, to GameFAQs. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's part of the reasons... Like, one of the places I first started writing about video games was yeah. on message boards. For you sure. Know? Like, Me too. Uh, I was never so as mean as people are now on YouTube, but still, I got close. Yeah. There were moderators. I never participated. I was always like kind of shy. You were a worker, They call you. They still call us. That. Yeah, that's right. Go ahead. Uh, so I remember going on there and debating which version was better than which version, uh, having not played the GameCube version, but saying, "Well, the, you know, the 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 Wii version is in widescreen, sure. H- whatever HD we called it back then, even though it wasn't the case." Which well, trickery? But keep yeah. going. Yeah. Well, because I mean, I did hook up my Wii uh, the day. So you said you waited like a month for the GameCube version. I hooked up my Wii and played Twilight Princess the first day and was just like. This can't be new console graphics. There has to be something better than sure. this. And it's then like I read that. about component cables. Right. I'm like, I got to go hunt those down. Mm-hmm. Every they were backordered everywhere. Finally got them in like two weeks later. Hooked them up, and I was like, still not. Yeah, still well, not what I thought it would be. But it's part of the reason why I played it on GameCube is, uh, to me, despite the fact that I'm a hardcore Zelda fan, mm-hmm. and part of the reason why it made the wait so so tough. But to me. That game had been in development for GameCube for so long yeah. that it's like GameCube has to be the definitive edition of it because I felt like all the rest of this stuff has probably been tacked on in the last six months to a year. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. so that was why it was easier for me to justify waiting rather than going out and buying the new console yeah. to play it. And this is something that I wonder if you know there's all these rumors flying around about New Zelda whether whether it'll be a split release like Another Twilight bridge. Princess, right? Yeah. Like, will it be on Wii U and NX as well? And if so, which version do we play? So. Sure, and I'm I'm kind of okay with I'm okay with wherever it falls because I, I love my Wii U and I and I'm I'm, I'm assuming I'm, I'm going to love my NX. And I will say that there was something magical. I think one of the reasons I leaned towards Twilight Princess on the Wii was because it was the first time in history I had a Zelda game at the launch of a console. Right. So, like, usually console games, I mean, the Wii, the Wii included, we had weird, like, a lot of mini games and a lot of very small things. Um, it's very rare, rare you get a 60-hour, like, yeah. action RPG adventure game at the launch of a console. Right. Um, and I know it's technically, like, a, a little asterisk in the corner of that one because it's, yeah, it's an action adventure. I was going to yeah. say that, but I don't want to... Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, uh, I well, do. So, but the, the fact that it was also was technically a GameCube game as well, it wasn't necessarily a launch game. Still, to op- to bring that game home, first day with a brand new console, hook up the console and be like, I'm playing a Zelda game day one, yeah. wasn't something I had since, you know, I was a kid with an NES. Well, yeah, and, and a Zelda game at uh, Thanksgiving at the holidays is always a big deal, yep. I think, for any like hardcore Zelda fan. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. something that you just expect since Ocarina. Um, yeah, that's funny. I never, asso- other... I never realized, but I do associate Zelda games with oh, like, yeah. Christmas break. It's all yeah. about yeah. The, yeah. the turkey and Thanksgiving, and then got to play that Zelda mm-hmm. and right. play it over break. Yeah. Um, 
I, I do want to say, though, to, just to piggyback something you brought up, the GameCube was actually the better way to play Twilight Princess. And I know some people Thank don't like you. to hear that. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and History is a Yeah, no. I, I have to say to folks, um, don't get me wrong, like the motion stuff and using the sword uh, on Wii was, was a tad primitive because it wasn't one-to-one. And I think Skyward Sword was the the furthest you can push that idea and yeah. Motion Plus came along and so there was a lot more fidelity to what you can do and how you can yeah, do it. Yeah, say, say what you will about Skyward Sword but yeah. I do think that they really nailed the motion control. The thing. only mm-hmm. thing that the GameCube version did not have to me over the Wii version was that 16 by 9 presentation which right. was important and I think that that transition to widescreen is one of the reasons why um, at least for hardcore gamers at the time when Zelda came out we kind of had to overlook that, like the 360 had been out. Yeah, that a yeah. game like Gears of War was was coming out or was out. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you compared where games were going, and PC folks, if you're listening, you already had it good. Like I yeah. don't even have to <laughs> make that case to you. But um, for at least folks at the time, it was a lot of man. Some of these textures just don't look good. Um, and you can tell that Nintendo was doing the best they could with with lighting and with bloom and with and with yeah. shadows to kind of suppress some of that stuff, but do, still make a really really interesting world. Um, and then you know we're going to get into it deeper, but I think that Twilight Princess has some really good variety, and sometimes that really rescues it from just being a Zelda yeah. like a, mm-hmm. a standard template Zelda. But in some ways, that variety hurts it too. And mm-hmm. we're going to get into that in a, in a little bit. Well, when you look back at the GameCube Zeldas, um, which was ironically uh, sort of punch for punch as powerful as 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 the other the, the best systems out at the time. I mean, I think it, yeah. it, I think it, it went pretty head to head with uh, with the Xbox at the time. Um, Wind Waker worked because it was based in this cartoon style. You could look back at it and be like, "It's when you think about Wind Waker, like would the, what you think of immediately is the art direction. Oh, yeah. Immediately. When I think about Twilight Princess, the first thing I think of isn't really the art. It's more of like moments in that game. Yeah. I think of the wolf. I think of like, um, like I said, the double hookshot temple. I think yeah. of like the Temple of Time. I think about certain getting certain items, Snow Peak and stuff like that. It's more about the moments than it is about just sort of like, I remember this thing like it's a cartoon. Right. Um, and the GameCube get a, did a pretty good job of hiding the fact that it wasn't, you know, pumping out the most high-res textures in the world by giving us something that was sort of flat and colorful. Um, So by the time Twilight Princess came around, it almost felt like a step, not backwards, but to the side in a way, Mm -hmm. to be like, well, we've taken something that, you know, Wind Waker still looks pretty good today uh, versus something like Twilight Princess, which almost looked dated on day one Mm -hmm. because they went for a more realistic approach, which isn't typically Nintendo's style. So I think where they made up for it in that game was the character design and sort of like the enemy design and yeah, the yeah, Twilight yeah, yeah, Realm yeah. where things started to like, they brought in this like foggy haze yeah, over yeah, everything. Yeah, no, definitely. And, le- and let's let's transition a second over to like getting into it a lot deeper in yeah. terms of like Twilight Princess and Twilight Princess HD. But I do want to say that E3 2004 will forever be this like, this this important moment in, in video games and, and in Nintendo's history just because of showing people what they wanted and at the same time, it actually delivering on that style and not being sort of a mild wink or a hey we showed you this but we actually think this is a better approach and I but think that's the it? lesson they le- I know. think that's the lesson they learned on Wind Waker I think Wind Waker as much as I love that game and I was one of the people who didn't need convincing there are still so many folks who don't 
find it this charming, amazing yeah. Hey Arnold meets The Legend of Zelda right. like game. And I, it's, I love and it's on, really I love, charming. I love hearing that Hey Arnold. Yeah, yeah. And Hey Arnold came later. But yeah. I'm biased. I'm biased because Wind Waker is my all time. Yeah. Favorite. Yeah. No. And and, and so, I'm biased too. But yeah. I feel like part of that excitement was just folks seeing this thing that they initially saw yeah. when when that uh, Space World thing was shown, and then it being a reality, and it mm-hmm. slowly becoming a, like. Imagine if E3 2016 rolled around. Nintendo rolls out. The Legend of Zelda Wii U, and it looks nothing like what we saw in 2014. Right. Just picture that moment for a second. Sure. You would be disappointed because what you saw in 2014, even what they've shown maybe 13 to 20 seconds of that game right. up yeah. until this point, yeah. maybe that. Actually, a little more if you count the Aonuma Miyamoto yeah. Let's Play with the the off screen. But anyway, um, I'd be disappointed because yeah. I'd want to know what that was, and I think that that was something that Wind Waker kind of had to deal with, and I think it overcame it. I love that game. I gave it a yeah. very high score on IGN, especially for its HD remake. I think I think you're totally right. I think that's definitely a big part of it. Uh, but like I've said before on the show, I think that some people and a lot of people have always sort of associated Zelda with this like sort of dark, mature franchise for Nintendo. Whereas for some reason, I never did. Um, and I think a lot of it is because I played Zelda since the NES, and if you looked over at the at the at the manual, it had like these gorgeous watercolor paintings of this yeah. like boy on this adventure. There was this childlike spirit to it all. Yeah. Um, the characters always felt kind of goofy to me. Even in Ocarina, people look at Ocarina of Time like it's one of the most one of the more mature Zelda games because it's got like that opening scene where Ganon's running across the bridge yeah. and there's lightning bolts and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But me, I I think about when you go in a Kakariko village and everybody's there's that guy running around with a two by four and everyone's yeah. like ah, and they're just like it's goofy. And it's fun. Yeah. Or it's even when colorful. you rescue the guys at Gerudo Valley and how they yeah. kind of prance as they yeah. run out. Or yeah. literally anyone at Lon Lon Ranch. Totally. Yeah. 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 It's com- I mean, like Waluigi yeah. lives there, right? And yeah. then you look at Majora's <laughs> Mask, which is uh, <laughs> a, obviously a lot darker thematically, but still sure. full full of very goofy, lighthearted characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a bunch of the the portable games were all sort of cartoony in some way. Yeah, you love Link's Awakening, which yeah. is full of that stuff. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, 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 and yeah, yeah, and still like totally. you know, kind of dark games in their own. Like Link's Awakening is kind of a dark storyline if you think about it, but inherently it's kind of joyous and 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 fun and cartoony. But I think people really always wanted that dark, mature Zelda game, and Twilight Princess is kind of the closest we ever got. So when people saw that, they went nuts. Yeah, yeah. And, you know? and I think it's almost to its detriment. Like that's one of the things that mm. that. Playing Twilight Princess in HD, especially having played Wind Waker so recently with the Wind Waker HD remake, wow, it is a very dark game. Yeah, it is. There's there's hardly any levity outside of the things that Midna says to you. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is an oppressive game. Yeah, it is dark. It is sparse. It is very sad. Yeah, the music Mm -hmm. is incredible, but it's all it's almost all minor. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah I was noticing that, like from a, from a yeah. musician perspective yeah. too. The way the music just kind of dips, yeah. kind of warps and skews the mm-hmm. entire perspective of the game. And I think that like there's just a lot of like everything just feels almost off key to yeah. it, to it to a sense. Mm. Um, and it works towards the favor of the world because that's how everything is. Every, there's sure. just this like kind of drab morose feeling to the Twilight Realm, yeah. mm-hmm. which uh, doesn't carry over entirely to Hyrule and everything else. But even that has that kind of like weird fog of when there's a character in a 90s sitcom having a flashback <laughs> and there's that like Vaseline around the outside yeah, of it yeah, you know no, totally so we're at this point we're definitely getting into it so I want to tell folks from the get if you are a Twilight Princess noob or if you are someone who has not experienced this game I don't mean to say noob you should probably bail if this is something you want to experience for yourself obviously this is a 10 year old game and so we should have the freedom to talk about it but I want to give you a minute to run for it uh, in case 
But you should come back in roughly 15 to 20 minutes because there's a bunch of Pokemon talk if you're interested in that stuff after this segment. So let's get into it. Uh, I do want to talk about uh, your comment with the sort of dark, oppressive nature of Twilight Princess. I would agree that there's a lot of... You're you're basically rescuing this world from another world that's invading it, Right. right? A world that... Almost a mirror world, which... Zelda has experimented with in the past. I mean, there's um, there's no experimentation. Like, it's, yeah, no, no, it's, they've done it. Yeah, they've yeah. done it. Yeah, yeah, in a link to the past, again, yeah. um, in and in other cases. But I would say that don't forget, like guys like the mailman who are incredibly oh, weird. Yeah. Who his <laughs> first yeah. note to you is, hey, um, I will approach you quickly. Please don't run. I'm just yeah. delivering mail. Yeah. Like, there's there's moments like that. But you and don't meet that guy for a little like, while. You you don't. No, yeah. that's fair. But you also are um, just this kid living yep. in you know you're a teenager living in Orden Village at the sure. time right and you you are a goat herder you are just and, and that, oh that's boy, something you that you heard those goats <laughs> you do um, but that's something that's been a pretty divisive opening because up until now uh, most Zeldas didn't really spend a lot of time on who Link was before he puts on the the green tunic like Wind Waker obviously did it uh, the shortest version of it is a link to the past, right? Because you just wake up in, in, you, in the yeah, house I mean, you're and you go in outside. the castle in three minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And then Ocarina of Time, you are probably, it's, it, you know, time to sword is pretty short as well. Um, that's how we measure these things. Yeah. But um, time Twilight to sword. Princess, like. None it, of them faster it, than the original, though. Yeah, it t- yeah none. <laughs> What's um, up, but it took sword, like an right? hour. <laughs> yeah, it took like an hour for Twilight Princess to really kind of set you off on your way. And. It's something that's always, I feel, a hot topic for, yeah. for anyone who appreciates this game or even talks about it. Because some folks were like, I was fine with it. And other folks were like, oh, yeah. hell no. Right. This took too long. Yeah, I feel like there's two major points of contention with Twilight Princess, right? It's that damned opening. Like, yep. Everyone wants mm-hmm. to talk about the opening because it does take a long time to hit its stride. Mm-hmm. And I, this is something that you and I talked about mm-hmm. yesterday that I feel like the opening in and of itself is fine overall uh but it does take a long time to just get out of that sort of tutorial phase and it takes even longer than that for the game to really hit its stride and become Mm -hmm. as as free roaming as most zelda games yeah the second thing that i feel like people and this is sort of a tangent here but the second thing thing that i feel like people have an issue with is uh the difficulty you know Right. So. Right. It's. I, I remember. Or uh, lack thereof. Or lack yeah, thereof. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, most people probably won't die more than a handful of times playing that. Yeah. I, I'd say most Zelda veterans might not even die once. Yeah. Are you? You're, you told me you're playing on hero mode. Yeah. I'm playing on hero yeah. mode. Out yeah. of the gate. Are you playing? No, I'm starting on normal. Starting on but normal. I am playing with Wolf. hero mode once in a while. Hey man, I got a review to write. All right? <laughs> this is, I don't know about you. This guys. is Jose's first experience with the Zelda game. So no. Gonna, yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. I, I, totally, I totally took yeah. us off topic on yeah. that. We can no, talk no, about no, that later. But the the opening. And you made me sound like a No, but the opening few hours of that game, going back and playing it this time around, it was less abrasive. To yeah, me. it's, it's it, less tedious. It was, I think once you kind of when you know there's a, a an right, exit. So like I feel like the first time you play it you're chomping at the bit to get to the first dungeon. Yeah. You're like just get me in that first dungeon. Show me, me the field, yeah, you know? exactly. Show me something wide open. Um, which you don't even see Hyrule Field until after that. Yeah, yeah. Not for but, a very long time. Um, but I do feel like it's not, it's not truncated or anything in this new version. It no. just feels shorter because I think you know what's coming. You yeah. Know? yeah, which is weird uh, because the people's biggest complaints about um, Wind Waker was the fetch quest for the tw- uh, Triforce pieces, which Nintendo uh, abridged in Wind Waker right. HD. And people's biggest complaints for Twilight Princess was the first 90 minutes of it. And Nintendo kind of just left it as is. Yeah. And I don't really know what you would do there because it's like... That's what I was going to say. So when, you're, not really when you're introducing you a swift out, yeah. sail yeah. in Wind Waker, you 
you were just cutting down the distance between travel. Yes. Right. At the end of the day, you didn't really change the story beats. You didn't really change no. when the only beat they actually went into change was that you had to meet Tingle because mm-hmm. there were plenty of people who played the game who they later learned never even knew Tingle was in that jail. And so <laughs> they eventually they reprogrammed where you got the swift sale so that he says, hey, my buddy is in you know in prison. Can you help yeah. him out? Kind of. Uh, that's not verbatim, but you get what I'm going for there. Um, I do think though that one of the things that you can't help but talk about when you talk about Twilight Princess is the fact that it does follow very closely to an extent, and this is sometimes also to its detriment, but sometimes to a more positive degree, it does uh, kind of build on it. Follows Ocarina of Times. Yeah. Yeah. Super you know, close. sort of format and, and story yeah. and, and the way the, the plot and progression are delivered. I mean, you start as you find out you're this hero. It just takes a little longer to get there. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why we chopped at the bit so much. But I think that the wait for Hyrule Field was almost uh, as long, if not probably shorter on Ocarina of Time, because you have to clear that first dungeon in yeah. order before you can do it. Mm-hmm. But but the lead where, time up to the first dungeon in well, Ocarina yeah, is much shorter. And, and yeah. the yeah. wolf... Is is also the wolf form is a thing that caught a lot of folks off guard because it's like, hey, here is this transformation. This is not a, a new theme for Zelda. Zelda has been messing with transformations since Link to the Past, Ocarina, Majora's Mask, especially. Like yeah. Anuma games really have played around with it. I think more than some of the even the regular games have. Um, and you know, combat in wolf form also kind of divided some folks. Where it's mm-hmm. like, hey. You have to be up close. There aren't a lot of, uh, you know, attacks. I have to hold B and wait and highlight these things with this like big finger that doesn't even do anything. Yeah. It's, it's coming out of Midna's head, and then you go and and you attack. But I do think that when they introduce you to Midna and when they introduce you to Zelda and when they introduce you to that game's that world's problem, it is when things start picking up. Totally. And you start getting yeah. a bit more yeah. involved. But it is a little odd that you start with basically two primary characters, right? You have Link and you have the Wolf. I know they're kind of one and the same, but. Mm-hmm. Um, Link is kind of trapped in this town, and every time he tries to leave, someone stands in front of the door going like, hey, there's one more thing you gotta do. Hey, mm-hmm. there's one more thing you gotta do. You look at Ocarina of Time, the first two things you have to do in that game to progress are get a sword and a shield. Sure. It's mm-hmm. Zelda as hell. Yeah, yeah, no, sure. no, totally, If you look at totally. Twilight Princess, the first two things you have to get are a cat. Yeah, yeah a goat. <laughs> and a goat. Well, you get a fishing rod and a slingshot, right? Yeah. So once you get those things, then you start talking about maybe I'm going to get the, the shield and the sword, but you get those as the wolf. Yeah. So Link is trapped in this town. He, he can't leave. Once the story progresses enough, the wolf is trapped in a jail. He mm-hmm. can't leave. Yeah. So it goes to the wolf, and all of a sudden he digs out, and he's going through all these tunnels on these rooftops, and you kind of get out in the world a little bit. So it takes both of these characters getting out of these very sort of narrow paths before the game totally starts opening up, mm-hmm. and, then, and then everything comes together. It's yeah. weird. It's it's totally like a tale of two cities for a little while there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah, it no, starts working. You know? and, you, and you could also hold the argument that uh, Okami did wolf combat better, Oh, which I think uh, yeah, is yeah, like take, take the paint stuff out, like even movement felt cooler than what I think Twilight Princess was. Right, and and similarly, Okami's definitely not innocent in any way in terms of getting the story moving early on, because that is a very very spread out, very long game. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of things that Okami did Zelda-wise better than a lot of Zeldas, I feel like. And some worse, but yeah, 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 I agree. Like the adventure that never ended. I was like, are we done yet? Oh, there's more. And that's a weird complaint to lobby at a game, but sometimes you do feel like, this is it, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not? Okay, we're going to keep this show moving. Uh, So you're you're reviewing this game. Yeah. 
like I mean, how do how do you do that? Like this is a game you loved ten years ago, mm-hmm. and it's here now, and it's it's here now in this era of HD remakes, which I feel like has a lot of weird connotations. People hear HD remake, and some people get negative on it because they're like, "Why don't you make me something new?" But other people like I, who understand that video games are sort of an, uh, definitely an art form that I feel like lacks a, a very cohesive plan for preservation. Mm-hmm, it's sure. good to see something like this be able to be played again because I, I tried playing uh, Twilight Princess about three or four years ago on my Wii and it was just like oh man this is this is sharp and jaggy and kind of rough around mm-hmm. the edges and yeah. there's a beautiful game here but I think like it, it hasn't aged as well. Sure sure um, it, it's especially weird for me right because going into this review I spent a lot of time replaying the current Twilight Princess in, in both of its forms actually Wii on and GameCube. GameCube and Wii which wow. was a trip. Oh yeah, you were because, telling me you were going back and yeah, forth. You're going the two, into right? like I'd finished the first temple and everything that was a left is now a right. Because right, yeah. I would play it again on on GameCube. I'd be like, all right, I'm going to keep these save files as close as I can and just see what what kind of strikes my fancy. Like I get my best ideas when I'm just playing a game right. sometimes. Sure. Um, so I'm trying to remember if any ideas came out of that though. Might have been a big waste of time. But anyway, um, <laughs> probably just broke your brain direction yeah, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> but um, no, going into Twilight Princess HD. My my what, what I inevitably fell on is that this is still a great Zelda game. Like there are parts of it that are very divisive among fans, but there are also moments that I feel I'll never forget. Sure, um, mm-hmm. from what happens on Elden Bridge where you have that face off with yeah. Uh, yeah. I think his name is King Bublin, yeah. um, and he's riding on on his big boar, and yeah. and you have to save uh, young Colin um, from him. And even that whole horseback sequence, that was something that, like, you just couldn't help but be impressed by. And it happens on this big field, and there's this uh, flute sort of playing whenever um, it was your turn to kind of attack when it's on yeah. when uh, stuff was going on on a bridge. And I just felt like moments like that, right? Moments like even when those enemies first show up into Kakariko Village, you're like, what? This is dark. Or when you find out that the, the Zora Queen was, was killed, like yeah. in front of her people as yeah. an example, and that her son ran off uh, basically to try and get help. Um, so those moments for the story stuck out to me. Um, and then also there was the, just that these are some of the best dungeons I think they've done. It's not only the game with the most dungeons. This game is very reactionary, I feel, to Wind Waker's criticisms. Yeah. Wind Waker's criticisms being, one, it's art mm-hmm. and how people were super divided on what Link looked like, which we talked about already in plenty of details yeah. so we don't have to go into. But then the other being that some folks felt that Wind Waker didn't have enough temples and enough dungeons to live up to what they expected Zelda to be. It had like six and a half. I was yeah. happy with the six and a half, though. It was weird. Yeah. You give me six really good songs, I don't need uh, you know a, t- a two-disc album CD. Okay, yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, I could see that. Yeah, like I, I, was okay. I was in the okay camp with Wind yeah. Waker, if not like the super positive camp with Wind Waker. But that isn't to diminish the effort and the attention to, okay, well... Clearly, people were disappointed we didn't bring enough of what we're known for. So on Twilight sure. Princess, we're bringing the noise. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. did. Yeah. Well, and I think that, that this is something that I've talked to both of you about previously, but it's it has some of the best dungeons in any Zelda game. Yeah. But it's everything leading up to the dungeons that I feel like I have an issue with. Mm. Like, I don't have an issue with any of the dungeons, except for maybe the first, the Forest Temple. I feel like that one's kind of phoned in. But... Also, it's the very yeah, first one, so maybe yeah. it gets a pass. Mm. Every other dungeon, I feel like, has at least a few of those moments where you, it's 
just bowls you over how brilliant mm-hmm. a game can mm-hmm. be. Like I told you about that moment, the first time that you realize you got to use the boots in midair in the fire dungeon. Yeah, to, Goron to mines, yeah. Magnet yourself to it's the wall. It's nuts. Like, it's I, nuts. Well, I'm looking at the looking at this beam of light like, "Oh, what do I do here?" you know? And then yep. I realize like, "Oh, I got to equip them in the middle." Mm-hmm. You know, and it's things like that. Like it it is this game that's made up of these magnificent moments, but I don't like I don't feel like I love it beat for beat like I did Wind Waker or or sure. Ocarina of Time yeah, or yeah. in the past, you know. Sure and, that, sure. and in that way it's a really interesting Zelda game. Yeah. You yeah. Know? I think that's that kind of like windy tunnel overworld that never really gives you that grandiose feeling. Yeah. Um and it's why I've always and I've said this for the longest time, but I really wished and, and we'll never get one now, but I've always wanted the Zelda game uh to when you beat it or when it gets remade in H D to just give me like a dungeon playlist. Yeah. Like, give me that, like, that DVD menu of, mm. of dungeon greatest hits. Yeah. And I can just go in and be like, I really want to play uh, the Temple of Time. Or I really want to play sure. Snow Peak again. Yeah. Without having to go through all the other yeah. stuff around it, you know? Yeah, I, I feel for you, but I feel like uh, this is one of those cases where it might be just nice to want things. And I don't mean that in, in a negative way. I mean in that the minute you add those options, right? Like, let's take into account, like, well, what's your inventory look like at that point in the yeah. game? Like, what are these variables? And totally. like, it's, it, I, I think for them, it's tough enough just to get the game out the door. If someone turned to you and say, okay, now find every single place that you can like put these pins. So that people right. can yeah. And I, I mean, I totally understand that. Yeah. Like what I'm asking for is a little ridiculous yeah. because it's like, I, I want it too. Cause yeah. I love some of these dungeons. But to I, Nintendo, I like, I mean, it's, I, I, I do understand that they put just as much effort into the stuff between like the main courses yeah. as, as they do everything else. Because it, in and of itself, like that's when a lot of the heart of the Zelda games come out. It's not. It's yeah. moving blocks around and lighting torches. Sure. It's character interactions. It's getting a weapon for the first time. It's uh, like going through all the things you have to do to get just that key to open up that door. Yeah. And sometimes those things are done really well, and yeah. sometimes they're yeah. dowsing. But well, it's, no, totally. But I do think that um, to, to Zach's point, and I do find myself agreeing with this a lot, is that you feel that so much effort was put into the dungeons themselves mm-hmm. and making them great, and they are polished dungeons. Snow Peak is one of the prime examples of backtracking done right in a video game. Yeah, it is absolutely. backtracking where you are being lied to yeah. the entire time. At least that was my takeaway, right? She's telling me, oh, I think I left it in this room. And then you go and you check and you go back and you're like, lady, it's not there. Like, what's going where, on? What's going on? And then she's like, no, go. And then her husband bowls you over for the cheese that you found. And yep. then he puts it in soup and she says, all right, why don't you try over there? So you're kind of getting groceries for her husband. But in the meantime, she's not pointing you to where the mirror really is. And right. when you do find that room, she comes with you and then you find out she's about she's bad. Um, we already gave you a spoiler warning, so if you're still here, that's your own fault. Um, and then take Sky Temple, where you yep. have to kind of put together the logical pathways for where yeah. you need to hook shots. And the idea that some of them stand out as being so logical. It's like that moment you decide to jump off and go on mines and put on boots. And you're like, right. yep, I'm going to make it to the wall. I know it. And yeah, then you connect. I, I mean, just the idea of a temple without a floor is like yeah. incredible to me. Like but it's the, just such good design. Yeah. yeah, but the overworld, I think, does suffer in that to some degree, like Skyward Sword, there doesn't feel like there's a ton going on. There is the weird minigame with the cloud dude at Lake Hylia. There is a few other places you can duck into. There are certain boulders you can blow up. Or even late game, right before you get to Sky Temple, where you have to get the uh, the ancient book, the, mm-hmm. the alphabet or the words inside completed so that this guy can read it and it'll move the seal from the statue. Right. That quest is simply running up to flag points within the overworld, you know, using moving the statue, getting the alphabet letter, and then leaving. Yeah. Like they just kind of want you to quickly get through it. And to be fair, 
Twilight Princess is not an open world game by the definitions of 2016, right? Like the definition being that there's a lot going on here. You play The Witcher, you can run into the weirdest circumstance slash situation and it leads down this huge rabbit hole. Twilight Princess don't work that way. It no. didn't work that way. Hopefully New Zelda will work, work that way because they're yeah. promising open world. It yeah. is It is hundreds of tiny interconnected areas. And I think, yeah. well, yeah, and that's the thing. I think that, that one of the things that I found so disappointing about Twilight Princess, even on my initial playthrough, was it felt like a step backwards. Yeah. Because in Wind Waker, once you got the boat, you could go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And regardless of whether or not you had the tools to complete whatever missions were on that island, at least you could go there and see it and think, okay, I can come back to this later. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like Twilight Princess does allow you to do that, but it's also funneling you down these corridors yeah, the yeah. whole time. Even in Wind Waker, you'd, you'd make a turn on your boat and you'd be like, oh, I can't go here. There's a tornado. Right. So I got to solve this. But in Twilight Princess, there's just a wall or a mm-hmm. door or a thing you can't get through. And I think about like uh, Hyrule Field in Ocarina of Time. And it's like the centerpiece of that is the first time you ever get a horse. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like the, the center of Hyrule Field is Lon Lon Ranch where you get a horse for the first time. And in this game, they just kind of start you with a horse. Yeah. So you don't really have this immediate or like this kind of intimate connection with something amazing that happened in the center of this game. But if it took too long to happen, mm-hmm. um, or if you had to do a series of quests to get, don't you think it could have burned them the other way around? Possibly, like, but I don't yeah. necessarily mean like the, the, it the, has to be the, the horse. The size of, of this world yeah. demands that you need a fast way to go through it, and you don't have Wolfling form all the time No, no, no. in the early going. Well, so I don't mean it has to be the horse, but it'd be good if it was something. Okay. And there really is nothing in that in that degree. Like, yeah, I mean, you have a couple battles, and the bridge battle is awesome, obviously. Yeah, yeah. That's sort of off to the side. Yeah. But I think, like, what's interesting about this one is that, and to speak on Twilight Princess HD, because it's all these interconnected environments, that's something that felt very GameCube, right? Like, it felt like we don't have all the RAM in the world, so we're going to make a tunnel that leads mm-hmm. to another, mm-hmm. and each one has this sort of... Uh, interstitial a- a t- moment where you're like the screen oh, goes black screen goes back black, screen goes white loads and fades back up and yeah. that happens now in Twilight Princess HD because I mean I think working around that would have been sort of a design overhaul but it's it's a little jarring to play mm-hmm. a game in 2016 that yeah. has almost a, a loading screen for every new area I think we're so used to having uh, fluidity between a- movements and areas especially with uh, the, the hundreds of open world games that have come out ever yeah. since see I didn't really I, I saw that more as being the product of the game that they made at the time sure. versus something that could get changed now right because even if this is a remaster it's still something that you know there are limitations to what yeah. this remaster they can and can't achieve so I guess I will it means say like, that Wind Waker though I'm sorry I, I yeah. just want to wrap this point is that I think Wind Waker found a smart way to turn cartography and sort of charting this world into a meaningful exercise yes, because absolutely. you talk to the fish don't get me wrong it was the most repetitive thing in the world to stop the boat dro- drop the bait fish tells you a joke or tells you a secret or mm-hmm. tells you a clue and then you have a filled out map section and then later you can sort of compare and find you know treasure etc yeah. and maybe the treasure wasn't great but that felt really cool to do because you knew the sooner you did it the more it was going to pay off later yeah. and Twilight Princess doesn't have that but it does have sort of this world that feels really big it's just that at times it feels like there's not a ton to do in it. Right. Yeah. And that was our fear with when we saw Zelda Wii U for the first time when, when Anuma Miyamoto played it, where they didn't really want to show you a lot. And you can understand why. You know, They were hoping that game was going to be on target for 2015, but they probably just didn't have a ton to show, so they just want to show you, hey, it's looking good. Yeah. You can be happy about that. Yeah, there's some grass, a couple of goats, a couple of bad guys, but you're like, 
is there is there t- tons and stuff uh, tons of stuff to do here because yeah. mm-hmm. I think there is an expectation in 2016 of what an open world game should be like mm-hmm. just like I think there's an expectation in 2016 of what an HD remaster is and I think that's I mean, jury's out on that one. Like, well, we should talk about that. Well, yeah. Part so of I was going to ask yeah. you guys, like, what is an HD remaster to you? Because I mean, I think this game, in 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 many ways, is is the sort of the basic definition of what you can do to call something an HD remaster. Yeah, right? and, and I think that that's like one of the disappointments I have with the HD remaster of Twilight Princess is I feel like they did really go in and overhaul a lot of things for the, uh, for the Wind Waker yeah. HD remaster, and I feel like. With the exception of the graphics in this one and uh, less light tiers and a few little things like Jose pointed out, and I wouldn't have even remembered this, but Jose pointed out to me yesterday that he climbs faster yeah. when he's climbing vines. You yeah. know, like that's those are nice, but to an extent, I think that they're like you have a, a perfect point. Like we use power more powerful, so yeah. why not string a couple of those lo- locations together and make traversal a little easier, make it totally. a little quicker, make it feel a little more like a 2016 game, mm-hmm. you know, instead mm-hmm. of having you wait every three areas, or, yeah. you know, and it's it's not like the wait it's not like the wait times are tremendous, but it's that that break from flow that I think we're not used to seeing. There's that, also the uh, like the. The 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 attention to detail and graphics um, inherently when you when you remake something that's uh, based on realistic looking textures mm-hmm. it's always going to be difficult to nail because you, that's you're, it's a moving a moving target uh, three years from now a tree that looks like the most amazing tree in a video game will not yeah. um, whereas a tree in Wind Waker will always look like a tree in Wind Waker yeah but um, and Jose pointed out that when you're inside certain areas um, like temples for example. Things look a lot better than they do when you're outside. And I think it's because it's easier to sort of mimic the geometry of of man-made or whatever-made architecture. Uh, When you're inside of a temple or a building, you can look around and be like, that's what a floor looks like. That's what a ceiling looks like. But when you're out in Hyrule Field and you see like a rock structure or a tree or something like that, you're like, well, that's not what that looks like. Mm -hmm. So – some of those elements have held up a lot mm-hmm. better than the other. Yeah. And a lot of the natural stuff, like a lot of the gr- the ground and the hills and the walls and stuff like that in, in naturally forming parts of that game don't look nearly as good as they do when you're inside something that's just like, oh, that's a big uh, support column or that's a huge wall built inside of a temple yeah. or these angular structures. Those hold up a little bit better. So it's it was a little jarring to me to sort of look in one, one pocket of the game and be like, well, that's gorgeous and that's wonderful and right. look at another and be like, huh, that kind of sticks out to me. That's well, and, and that, that, I apologize, Zach, no, but that's right. one of the things that stands out most in the review where I felt um, the high-resolution textures, they do some really cool trickery with yeah. them, I yeah. will say. They do a great job of adding a layer of texture that for simple geometry was not there when this game was released or right. when this game originally was released. And to further uh, just kind of tackle the question you posed earlier, like what is an HD remaster, I do look at sort of an HD port or an HD remaster as is an attempt to get an older game running and and sort of at least on par or as close to par as it can be with some of its contemporaries. I mean, yeah. granted, there are limitations to that because game design is a tricky business. Like, it's not something that, you know, you just tighten up the graphics on level three as was always the joke, yeah, right? Sure. It's, yeah. it's more about the more you tune things and the more you change things, the more you risk the whole thing coming yeah. apart. And that's why even the process of sort of HD ports, you know, take uh, Shadow of the Colossus had a, a great one or God of War had a, a good set as well. Um, there are studios that kind of specialize in that. Um, and I'm not going to point to Tantalus as maybe the reason why this thing is is 
sort of all over the place in terms of visual, right? Because I think the texture effort is great. It adds a lot of detail that I did not notice before. But at the same time, because the geometry is so simple, the lighting doesn't really do it a ton of justice. You're not mm -hmm. seeing shadows that you would see or would expect to see or even in some degree even – um, sort of hold up to what you remember that game being right. like. Yeah. And I think that's sort of the challenge this game is in, where on one front, it does look better than I think most people initially thought. And I think inside dungeons, as I told you, mm -hmm. you will you will barely even notice some of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But when you are out in the overworld or when you walk by, when you're in Kakariko Village and you notice these unnaturally smooth rocks everywhere that all <laughs> follow this one texture palette pattern, you know, it just, it makes the world feel unnatural. And it's something that, Maybe 2006 didn't have to worry about, mm -hmm. but 2016 does. Yeah, yeah, see, and that's the thing is like, I feel like going back to the GameCube version or going back even to A Link to the Past or the original Zelda, like when you're faced with graphical limitations, you let your imagination fill in those gaps, yeah. um, which is not something that we're getting further and further away from as games become yeah. more and more I mean, realistic. I didn't think about it like and that. And it was You're a right, jacky mess right. when, it, when it was well, out. And yeah. we Absolutely. put up with that then because yeah. we were like, oh, this is kind of what happens. So I think that. that now that we aren't flexing that muscle as often, we see these smooth rocks and say, uh, that pulls me right out of the experience. Yeah. You know? And uh, I will say, though, that it is a game that looks amazing at a glance. Like, yeah. they've improved textures. They've improved character models a lot. Yeah. I feel like the character yeah. models are the are the by far and away the most, the biggest improvement. Definitely. Um, draw distance and backdrops look great. It's only when you're, like you're saying, it's only when you're really up close on something or you're when you leave Link standing in, in the fountain for a minute to go grab a glass of water and you come back and you're looking at it and you think, huh, I didn't notice that earlier, but that is a little weird. Like yeah. it's only in those moments where you, you, when you stand still closer inspection, mm -hmm. that's when, yeah, when that's when it, that's when it starts out. And so I think like if you're com just coming off of like what Grezzo did with Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask yeah. on 3DS, but like, those like, are remakes. Those well, are not remasters. So I guess that's where, I guess that's where like it gets confusing then. Cause you yeah. look at Wind Waker, it's a, it's an HD remake. Or a remaster? Wind Waker, I would put in the remaster camp. Okay. I would, because that game, I think, uh, you brought this up earlier, but I do think that Wind Waker and Twilight Princess received the same amount of attention right. to me. But I do think that both were clearly ended up where they are because of their original designs. Mm -hmm. Wind Waker had a timeless formula for the artistic choice they went with. And ultimately, they had a very charming game underneath all of that. So let's just focus on graphics, though, here. Yeah. It was a moving cartoon. And in the transition, it became closer to a moving claymation thing than a cartoon. But it still retained all of the elements that made it the thing that it was. And it didn't need to have animations redone. It didn't need to have no. a ton of work done. Whereas a remake like what Grezzo did with Ocarina of Time or with Majora's Mask 3D, they had to put a bit more effort into update that stuff. Now, when, now take Twilight Princess, a game that went for a realistic style. That means you're older, you're outdated a lot faster than everybody else because you went realistic out of the gate. Right. And so as a result, that is one of the reasons why that kind of a game, if you're going to update it and do this HD polish, it's going to need a little more work. And I hope folks listening aren't walking away with, well, they hate it. We don't. Like, this game, you're going to see the review next week. We're giving it a great score. And it is, in fact, a game that holds up very well. The dungeons are some of the best moments you'll have. I still think there are plenty of other memorable moments outside of that. But that's really kind of a take it or leave it thing. Sure. You're either going to agree with me or you don't. Yeah. Or you have your mind made up. But this thing is... is a cool update. It just feels like it needed a little more mm -hmm. to keep put it on par with what mm -hmm. expectations yeah. for 2016 I think it's a perfect are. Perfect way to put it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, 
do we know how long this has been in the works? I wonder how much of this game being released as a remaster is a stopgap solution to tide fans over for Zelda Wii U. It's possible. Like it feels, you know, it feels a little bit like a response, especially for the fact that this doesn't feel like it has. All the trumpets aren't blaring around this right. one, like in, in traditional sort of Nintendo Zelda fashion. I mean, for for the Wind Waker, they put out a a Zelda edition. We yeah, you know, yeah, totally, so, or um, at least a gamepad, right? And you mentioned yeah. Jose that this is the 30th anniversary of Zelda this year, and mm-hmm. that's not none of that signage is anywhere near. No, they're any not of this. using that to hype uh, this game at all. They are strictly treating this as. Uh, even with with the retrospective stuff they've put out, it's focusing more on what this game is and that right. it's coming. Mm-hmm. But I think it's because maybe they feel like you can only blow the the trumpet on 30th anniversary yeah. once. I think to How them they sound? don't see it. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> um, I I don't think they look at it as uh, and I, I at least I think that's what Japan, the way Japan looks at it. I right. don't know what, how NOA feels on any of because they, they blew tiny trumpets every four hours for the year Luigi. I want to point that out. That they was did, a nonstop. Yeah, and what did we do? We made jokes about it every yeah, time of course. because it wasn't yeah. that significant. But so we were talking like, about it at least, you know. I guess that there there's some truth to that. But um, I do want to say I don't I don't know if this necessarily. Uh, something to tide fans over. Like, I don't know what the narrative is behind this game. I know that Wind Waker, I think reading was was a short project. It was a roughly six months to a little more than that on, yeah. you know, getting yeah. that game up to speed. And the jury's out on how long Twilight Princess really took because if you look at the paper trail for Tantalus's involvement, it turns out someone may have tweeted uh, beforehand that they had landed a big deal, a gig, but I don't know what the timeline is between that and now. And when this game is finished, because Nintendo will sit on a game for a while. Yeah. And I, f- I have an odd feeling that Twilight Princess, they sat on it for a while. They had it ready to go, but they said, we're not going to release this in the fall. We're going to save this for mm-hmm. the earlier part of the year because Nintendo likes to kind of obsess over timing and yeah. when they put things out. Yeah, yeah I, will, I will say if you've never played this game before and you have a Wii U, like it's a no-brainer. Like, oh, absolutely. De- don't, definitely go yeah. pick it up. The, even the Amiibo is really cool looking. Like the whole package is nice. Like yeah, yeah. Um, I, some of the things we didn't really get into is that like the the presentation around the menus and stuff like that is, are all really clean, very mm-hmm. gorgeous. Like all that stuff yeah. is very straightforward. Um, the music hasn't really gotten that sort of symphonic overhaul that I was hoping it would no. at the same time it uh, this there's been a lot of like rose tinted goggles going on with this thing because I've realized that there is a way that I perceive that game in my memory versus what I'm doing now and uh, I think I remember the music being just a lot more sort of like crazy and, mm-hmm. and out there um, and that control wise uh, I ran into a couple hiccups in Riding on a Pona. That's felt, t- yeah, it's awful. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. that stuff was there from the beginning. I don't See, know how you guys I was, asking Brian, yeah. I was yeah. asking Brian today at lunch, I said, was Epona always this terrible in this game? Because I don't remember it being this bad. Because I literally am running into walls and stopping and yeah. having to turn around. and like, one It of feels the almost like Resident Evil tank controls. Yeah, to, to one of the things that's like so... There's a finesse to it, but I don't know. I feel like I, I'm fine. Like I have like yeah. hours of footage where I'm riding through Hyrule Field and, yeah. uh, and through these corridors sure. that... So, you okay, can, so, yeah, so, yeah, the yeah, corridors yeah, is where okay. I was having a lot yeah. of like yeah. uh, bumps in the road. But I think... like and, and again, like you were talking about to me at lunch about uh, like the horse combat and like The Witcher or something like that. Yeah. Um, or me playing, you know, Metal Gear Solid Five Phantom Pain. Like... There's, I guess there's like where there's a certain a stupid sentence. There's a certain level of polish I expect when riding a fake horse in a video game. Yeah, they call that pony oh. polish. <laughs> wow, TM. And the opponent polish was not was not really bringing it this time yeah, around. Yeah, I wish. So. I, I guess my biggest gripe is I wish that they would have mapped mounting and dismounting opponent to a different button than sprint. 
Yeah. Because well, that's how so it was many, in the original. I know, yeah, but so yeah. I completely forgot that. And so many times I'll come to a dead stop because I ran into a gate that I was supposed to jump over that I didn't or something. And I'll try to sprint again and I'll just get off the horse. And it's like, okay, you know what? Maybe I'll just walk there. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, yeah. well, it's it, like, so, I mean, they, okay. so they did do some cool stuff. Like they did map. I mean, you're ma- if you're playing on the Wii U gamepad, you can use the Pro Controller. Which you but, absolutely should. Yeah. I mean, it, the having your inventory and having the mini map on oh, the Wii U. Oh, it's awesome. Map. And I also, I really dig, I've been playing quite a bit of it uh just the full game on the on, uh, Wii U mode. on the yeah. pad, yeah. Because my girlfriend's watching TV or yep. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It looks the same thing. It looks great yeah. on the. On if the anything, pad, it's closer like, to the 480p visuals that it launched with because totally. the gamepad screens are 480p. Yeah. It screen. looks really good, and I, I love yeah. being able to map uh, weapons to certain uh, uh, buttons and stuff like that. And if you look at. Um, so it's interesting to me, like the the dismount horse button thing. Like I feel like they could have changed it because again, if you look at like Ocarina of Time, one of my biggest problems with playing that game originally was <laughs> I used to go to read a sign and then I'd actually accidentally cut it, cut it in half. Yeah. Yeah. And Grezzo kind of fixed that by right. moving some stuff around. I, I think I did it once or twice, but it still happened here and there. So these guys nowadays, uh, like you know, you can map uh, weapons to buttons and items and stuff like that. So there is that you are sort of treading into remake territory. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's entirely well, remastered because yeah. they are streamlining some I'm things. I'm glad you guys brought it up because I fear that um, because Nintendo has done the inventory to gamepad or to a second screen thing with Zelda so many times now, yeah. that people don't understand how how marvelous I think it is in addition. Yeah, and sure. maybe marvelous is an overblown word, but I, I really feel like it is... It, it, it's a lot more natural and quick for me to just swap things around on this screen and then I'm off and I'm gone. I don't even have to pause it. So yeah. like, like I was um, saying earlier in the show, like moving. I, I played through Link's Awakening recently, which is a Game Boy game where you only had two items you could map at the same time for the B button and the A button. <coughs> and you spend 40% of that game in the Switching pause menu. Around, yeah. Pause, change the items, pause, yeah. switch back. Well, pause, and the same the was true with the GameCube release and the same was true with the yeah. Wii release, even though both handled inventory differently. The GameCube one handled a control scheme that was closer to the gamepad one where you're mapping things to certain buttons, but you have to enter a menu to do mm-hmm. it. On the Wii version, you're mapping those items to the D-pad directions. Right, right. With up being the only way to consistently talk to Midna or down, I yeah. forget. Yeah. But regardless, you still had to have that extra step of swap, now use. Swap, now use for any item that you that you had. Um, I think that a lot of the gamepad stuff is smart. I like having a map there. I like having my inventory there. I like having, oh man, I forgot I have to show him a note. Hang on, bring, okay, I'm done. And I do it. And I think that those nips and tucks are what, along with like him climbing faster, little animation changes here and there, make this game move at a faster pace. I mean, before, there was this elegant performance to grabbing a, a light vessel, a light tier yeah. for your light vessel. Like, yeah. you killed the spider and then bring, mm-hmm. ding, ding, yeah. ding, ding. And you're like, could you just drop already? <laughs> I just want to grab the yep. light and yep. leave. And that's us being impatient. There's an artistry to those graphics. Yeah. Someone worked really hard on that bring, ding, ding. But at the end, I sound like Donald Trump right now. But um, <laughs> at, at, at the end of the day like you just wanted to grab it fill the light vessel and move on to the next part of the quest because I feel like that's something we get yeah. obsessed with so in this one whenever you kill that spider you're grabbing the, the light vessel within seconds or you're grabbing it, the light tier within yeah, it's seconds quicker, but there is a lot of stuff around like around the, around the flourishings in this game that are still kind of like Really? Where? Come on. Just like, just uh, it hangs for a second here at the air at the end of a conversation, or like I said, transitioning from area to area. That's and I'm okay with it because I'm an old man. But if like you're a young hip millennial and you want to get through this because you got things to do and people to see, mm, you're going to be like, millennial. You're going to be like, <laughs> hurry up. 
Yeah. Give it to me. Like, get me out of here. Let me sh- show me that thing, you know? Uh, yeah, so, yeah. but like, all in all, I think some of the biggest issues I had with this game are the same ones I had back when it first launched, in that the combat is fairly simplistic. You mm-hmm. don't really get a lot of sort of dodging, blocking, parrying as you do with some of the other Even though they give games. you advanced sword techniques. They do, yeah. yeah. And yeah. like, I mean, you learn them yeah. pretty early on. But there's also, you have a lot of those weapons that are very kind of one note. Like, I remember getting the ball and chain for the first time in that game and being like, this is awesome. Yeah. Link's never had anything like this. I can't wait to use this everywhere. Oh, really? I can't use this anywhere? Oh. Well, and right. they, well, what about this top? I can fly around on this spinning top yeah. everywhere in the world. I, oh, it only opens up they, one they thing. They up of... the ball and change belly dance animation, too, oh, really? by the way. I just want to throw it out there. <laughs> I call it the belly dance because it's ridiculous. That's uh, great. It just looks really strange. Yep. But no, I agree with you. you. There was the disappointment of this has the most dungeons, but they didn't take the time to make these tools work in other places. Or at least they didn't have enough opportunities where you felt like those tools yeah, were relevant I mean, there's, in there's the There's little things. Like you can use yeah. the ball and chain to knock down bigger walls. Yeah. In the, or, or you can use the top, those blocks you can use the top to like yeah. skirt around cliff edges and find a heart piece right, or whatever. Right, you know, right. so like, they're out there. They're just not as implemented as well as I think Zelda that's, games. that's sort of like the, the, the baggage that comes with having a Zelda game that has so many dungeons mm. because with every new Zelda dungeon you need to give somebody a new item that's right. just how they how work that's the language yeah. you can't just be like oh you got double you know arrow <laughs> like that's boring you want something cool you want something new um, you just so, described the link between worlds I keep know going. No, totally uh, so instead you end up with all of these leftover items at the end of the game and one of them is like you have a slingshot and a bow and arrow, and you're like, well, why would I use the slingshot? Yeah. You know, and like with Ocarina of Time, those scaled to Young Child Link, Link or Adult, adult Link, Link. Yeah. Um, and that's not so much the case anymore. Uh, that being said, like, still, there's so much to love in this game, and there's so much good stuff to see. Yeah. Uh, the final battle, I won't even, you know, you, I'm, you can probably guess who it's with, but it's so cool. Like, uh, well, you can guess who it's with because they put him right there on the cover in this release, <laughs> which I thought was really weird. Like, well, in it's all ten year old game. Yeah. yeah, I know, but yeah. I thought it was really funny because. Like in all the in all the press leading up to the original release, all you see is Zant, and Zant is yeah. a cool enemy. I yeah, like Zant. He is. Um, and Minda's a great sidekick. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so you didn't even know that that final enemy no. was in this game, but in this one, yeah, Gandorf's right smack dab right there yep. on the front of the yep. cover, and it's yep. like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, yeah. No, there he is. So when's um, your review up? My review's up next week, I think, on Tuesday. I think it's March uh, 1st. Um, yeah, so you make sure you come check that out at IGN. Uh, I'm, I actually got everything done early this time. I'm usually like up to the last minute uh, on the reviews front, so I'm doing we my gotta job. we got to give you more games from nine ever. years ago to review. <laughs> <laughs> that I've played t- uh, several <laughs> times in the past two months. Yeah, yeah that, that'll, that'll do it. Mm-hmm. Um, we've pretty much said everything I think we can say uh, about Twilight Princess without a synopsis at this yeah. point. Yeah. But I do want final thoughts. Like, if you were on the fence, if someone said to you, should I play this game? What, what's, what's your answer? Um, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's what you buy a Wii U for, right? Mm-hmm. But I think assuming you have one already or you're looking for one more reason to kind of sweeten that pot of like looking at all the exclusive games on Wii U, because that's really the only reason you buy it, right? It's not for anything else. Uh, it's, it's easy to kind of make that list now, and this just helps that library look a little bit bigger. Um, I think in terms of a remake, I'm a little disappointed, uh, but it's still a great game. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if we'll ever get to see this game again. I don't know if this will ever get that remaster treatment. I would like for it to get some Remake, remake. You want a remake treatment, not, I a, want remaster. A, remake. not a remaster. It's a remaster right now. Damn it. Get me all tripped up now. Yeah. Uh, so it's yeah. confusing. I know. I, I I would I would recommend it given the parameters that you already own a, a Wii U. I don't think it's a system seller in the same way Wind Waker was. Sure. Okay. Zach? Uh, yeah, I mean, simply put, 
Twilight Princess has always been lower on the Zelda rankings for me. Like it's mm. one of my least favorite Zelda games. But that being said, it's still a Zelda game. Yeah. So you know that you're going to get an obscene level of quality. Mm-hmm. And it might not be throughout the whole thing, but in those moments where it shines, it shines so bright that you, if you, like Brian said, if you have a Wii U and you have never played it or want to re-experience it like I'm doing right now, by all means, yeah, pick it up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I'm in the same camp. I feel that um, you definitely... Obviously, it's up to you to judge. Some folks are bringing up, uh, for example, the pricing argument and Nintendo charging That's fifty dollars for you know? uh, for the digital standalone and sixty if you get it with the amiibo. Um, to them, seems a, a bit high. And we're talking about a company that, at the end of the day, is holding the line on what they feel a, a game should be priced at. Sure, you see them challenge it with digital all the time. You see them challenge it in terms of how they sort of you know position things to the user. And it's up to you if you want to go for it. Fire Emblem Fates, great example of it, right? Yeah. If you don't want to do all three key campaigns, you don't have to. Um, but if you did, you're going to be paying 80 bucks one way or another. Um, that said, I feel that the work here is quality. And I do feel like, yeah, there are some distracting elements to how this HD remaster looks. And you know, you're going to see a lot of that mentioned in the review. Um, at the same time, I can't help but recommend this to anyone who is really big into Zelda or curious about Zelda or has someone who played Wind Waker HD or and they're saying, hey, games at all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I wanna, well, let's say you have the situation where like Todd Northcutt over in Product says his daughter just finished Wind Waker HD. She can't wait to play Twilight Princess. She's perfect for this. Yeah. This yeah. is her first time. If you've been to this dance before, I would say judge it on how you see it. Like, mm-hmm. do you really wanna play through it again or do you wanna move on? But if you choose to play it again, you are getting what I consider a definitive way to play this. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. Um, it is kind of kind of quiet time of the year right now too. If this had dropped in November, I would have been like, get out of town. Yeah, but yeah, right exactly. now, you know, things are kind of opened up. So yeah, yeah, it's like I don't know, like playing any Zelda game. I, I always feel like I have a Zelda game on the back burner. Yeah. You know, I'm always mm-hmm. playing something. It's like a home-cooked meal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it just, It's comfort food. Yeah, exactly. Yep. It just Apple feels pie. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Zelda pie. Yeah. All right. Well, we got to go. Uh, quickly give them your Twitter handle. Agent Bizzle. All right. And you can find Zachariah and at... Uh, Zachariah SD. Okay. And stick around. We're going to be right back with a lot of Pokemon news. It's a Poke explosion <laughs> here on Nintendo Voice Chat. We'll be right back. Share for the week of February 26, 2016, and I am in a room full of Pokemon experts and Pokemon. There are plushies all over the place. If you're watching the video version, if not, check Twitter, there'll be photos. So there's this is a, an important show because a new Pokemon game was announced. It's 20th anniversary. Joining me to talk about this, let's kick things off. Callie Plaguey. Hello. Armando What's Torres up, making What's his up? debut on NBC and also her debut on NBC. Oh, Miranda nice. Sanchez. Hello. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. This is this is a full house. And so I guess to start things off, before we talk about Sun and Moon, because there's plenty to talk about, even though there's only like five seconds <laughs> of anything there's to talk about. There's a lot, but also not a lot. <laughs> yeah, a lot, but not a lot. Let's start with your first Pokemon experience. I'm going to have Callie kick this off. Um, yeah, I, I kind of started out of order. Um, my neighbor gave me a bunch of Pokemon cards. I think it was like a Bell Sprout and an Oddish, like his reject cards, basically. Aww. And then after that, my mom got me into the Pokemon anime, and we started watching it religiously. And my mom would watch it even if I wasn't around. And then I got into the games after that. 
and I got really into the games. Okay, okay. Yeah. Nice. Very not, cool. My parents were not down with the anime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, my, That's pretty cool. Yeah I, yeah, I started with the cards, so I like bought a Pokemon-themed card binder, and okay. I got really into collecting the cards, and I still have, like, I have a first edition holographic Machamp still. Nice. And my holographic Charizard and stuff like What was that. your first game? Sorry, in case you, you did or didn't say So, that. this is interesting. So, I'm, like, a huge Pokemon fan, but I actually didn't play the games until Crystal, because I refused okay. to play oh, wow. until I could play as a girl. Okay. And then I, after that, I played as a girl through Crystal, and then I retroactively went back through, I bought Red, Blue, and Yellow, okay. played through Special Pikachu Edition um, the most, because that was my favorite. And then I continued on and replayed Crystal. But All I was, right. I was, as a, like an eight-year-old kid, I was like super not down with having to play as a boy. Okay. So. Wow. wow. Put a foot down. Very yeah. cool. All right, Armando, yeah, first so Pokemon experience. My first Pokemon experience. Um, I'd seen my brother play his version of Pokemon Red. You know, okay. over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. He's my older brother, so I was just you know little annoying brother watching over as he played the game. Uh, this was around '98, around mm-hmm. the time it released in North America, and it wasn't until '99, I believe, that Pokemon Yellow came out. Uh, my parents got it for me with my Game Boy Color, and it was, it was my first exposure to not only Pokemon, but or my own, uh, you know, Pokemon journey, but also my first RPG. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really important to me. And um, yeah, the second I started the game, it was just like, oh wow, this is like my adventure. Mm-hmm. These are my Pokemon that I'm mm-hmm. catching, my Pokemon that I'm trading with, my Pokemon that I'm battling with, and yeah, it all stemmed from there. Sweet. I was just a little seven-year-old boy, and here I am now, like Aww. 17 years later. With an Ash Ketchum hat yep. for folks who are watching the video, <laughs> just make sure you know. That's real good. All right, Miranda, first Pokemon experience. Um, also with the games, I started Pokemon Yellow when I was a super little kid, had my little Game Boy Color. My parents got me, my sister, Pokemon, and we played a bunch. And I remember getting stuck on Snorlax and being really frustrated because a little kid. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what was happening. I was just like, well, I got Pikachu, so it's okay. Okay, okay, <laughs> yeah. okay. And then after that, um, of course, I got into the show, which I watched religiously. Um, and I got my first Pikachu plush when I was like seven. And since then, I've had the like collection a has g- that's, has that's grown quite a bit that's since then. Yeah, yeah. A I've had a million. Yeah, I still have that plush. That's my favorite, and it's in really good condition. Oh, so. great. Okay. Awesome. So, uh, so my first Pokemon experience. Uh, I guess I'm the the old guy at the table today because I was. I think I was either 18 or 19 years old, and this is like 1998, and. In the video game magazines, all you kept hearing about, uh, either in sidebars or sometimes in bigger articles, is this big phenomenon in Japan happened called Pokemon. And it was a (laughs) Nintendo game, and you can play it on the Game Boy. And you got to remember, too, in 1998, the Game Boy was long in the tooth. Like, we're not talking about, like... Um, I mean, there had been other permutations of it, clearly, or or Nintendo had, like, slimmed it down, I think, by Mm -hmm. that point. I got to do my research Mm -hmm. there. But I couldn't help but be like, well... So many folks in Japan got like captured by this thing. Is that going to happen to me? Like, mm-hmm. am I going to get uh, as interested as well? Got captured. Yeah, uh, yeah, pretty much. Is this going to get me <laughs> as as well as it did those folks? And so, I remember going to there. Uh, there's a uh, small mom and pop shor- store in the Bronx called uh, Game Express at the time. I don't think it's still there, but it's on Fordham Road, if you know the South Bronx. And I bought a Game Boy Color. And I was like, well, what am I going to play on this? And, of course, Link's Awakening ZX is, is the game of choice. But then I'm like, Pokemon is out. I'm like, but is this game for kids? And I said, whatever. I bought it. And I, it immediately struck me why this 
series hit with so many people the way that it did. You know, the collection aspect. I didn't really get into battling. I, I guess I just wasn't, I didn't know enough people who had it too, so mm-hmm. it was a little weird yeah. for me to just uh, have Pokemon in 1998 and not have a ton of folks who I knew were playing it. But at the same time, and I didn't fall for the anime, sorry. Like, I, I watched first episode, I was like, that's nice, I'm done with Aww. that. You're not alone. Uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> sorry, it, it, did, it, it didn't work on me. But I stayed with yeah, the series man. regardless <laughs> because uh, it, it um, I saw this, this, this very cool sort of idea on collecting these monsters mm-hmm. and trading them with people, and I can appreciate what the battle system was there for. All right, so um, now that we've kind of established all like our, our first Pokemon experience, I'd like for you guys to talk uh, about now, I mean, this morning, a big deal happened, right? Like, oh, Sun yeah. and Moon, it, it's here. What was your reaction to the trailer and to the way Pokemon Company decided to unveil it? Because some folks like to assume, oh, this is Nintendo and Pokemon Company. Newsflash, Nintendo does not own or tell Pokemon Company what to do. They work in collaboration. In mm-hmm. fact, they're a separate entity. Nintendo kind of says, all right, here's what we think, and they come to an agreement. Mm-hmm. It's not one versus the other. It's they work together. Mm-hmm. Um, but this morning's announcement was an interesting way to do it. And it was kind of deflated by the Sun and Moon leak the day before. Totally. Right, and, and even if it hadn't leaked, I don't know if a live event was necessary for the... Because there wasn't a lot of detail, right? We didn't get a whole lot. It was more of this sizzle reel of, like, why Pokemon's great. And, of course, I appreciate that as a lifelong Pokemon fan. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the the leak definitely took away from the impact. But also I just thought, you know, this maybe wasn't the... They, they 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 blew it up as like this is our Pokemon Direct. This is our big mm-hmm. event. Yeah, and I expected some really big announcements. Maybe just not one game, but maybe multiple games. Yeah, for yeah. the, yeah. For the Detective- 20th anniversary, I expected yeah. it to be this monumental like maybe yeah. live event. Detective Pikachu or something coming in the West. Yeah, like really yeah. big. Yeah. Even Pokemon Go information yeah, or absolutely no Pokemon Go previews <laughs> of. I mean, they have the one wireframe bird looking Pokemon in that trailer, but other than that, like I was but expecting that- something about what might change in yeah. this new generation of games and we didn't get any of that. Of course it is early, but still. Yeah, and granted that we did get to know that it's coming out this year, like this That's, holiday season, which is really nice. Yeah. But also it's just like if you're gonna gonna come out this year, just show us just a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. And of course there are a lot of events for still for them to show stuff off. We have, yeah. you know, E three and yeah. TGS and all this other stuff if they show anything at TGS. But uh yeah. It's just a little bit of a letdown that they made a... Like, yeah, it seemed like yeah. a big deal. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it is a big deal to announce a new game, but when you don't show anything with it, it's hard to be excited for that. Yeah, yeah. And, and it almost feels like the leak caught them off guard. Like, they had, you know, let's assume this video was done mm-hmm. this week, if not the week before. Right. They've been sitting on this announcement, clearly, but... The fact that they were willing to walk into this announcement thinking, okay, if, if the title leaks, we're, all, all we're doing in this video, forget yes. if the title leaks, all we're doing with this video is confirming that the next generation of Pokemon is mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. And that's an exciting thing. Let's not undervalue that, right? Yeah, like right. We're all excited about that. We're all happy about that. Um, but I do think that the minute you know, this patent leak was, was brought to the surface, since that was the only thing you were really bringing to the mm-hmm. table outside of, okay, Pokemon Bank will work with the virtual yeah, console games. Right. We're going to get to that. Um, it, it did like just sucker punch the whole thing. Oh, totally. And it was like, hey, you really did wish that they were going to. There's a lot of excitement for what it's going to look like because I have to, I can't help but wonder, what is this thing going to look like? Like mm-hmm. the minute they open the 3S, they do this clever thing where they're like, oh, fade out, we're done. Yeah. Yeah. You can't see. No, no more. <laughs> no mas. Yeah. Pika, Pikachu. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and so to me, it was like, it, yeah, it, it, it's an exciting announcement that doesn't really have substance to it yet, you know? Yeah. And okay. you, you could tell yesterday when the images did leak or when the patent trademark. Yeah, 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 whatever, showed up. Uh, there was complete radio silence by. Uh, 
uh, from the Pokemon company's official Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, and I could only speculate how like they're handling the situation. Yeah, like, it probably wasn't a lot of time to yeah. redo anything. Uh-huh. They were no. just like, yeah, well, and put this like... in multiple languages in one day, like impossible. Yeah. yeah, you know, to be fair to them. Okay, so then let's talk about the the clips that they did show. Yeah. So obviously, you know, you saw Ishihara, you saw Masuda, you saw uh, folks working on this next game. Mm-hmm. What, what do we catch from it? What do we see? What is, I spies? Well, I don't know if it's uh, you know something that's still for question, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure next gen is confirmed. People yeah. are speculating that this is going to be you know a sequel to either X and Y or um, Oris, mm-hmm. Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. Mm-hmm. But um, not only did the UK press site confirm that this is a new uh, generation yep. of Pokemon um, uh, in the montage for mm-hmm. the highlight reel. They pointed out uh, the release date for every core Pokemon game, not the yeah. remakes or anything. So yeah. they, you know, Gold, uh, Ruby, Sapphire. Um, yeah, the most recent release yeah. was Absent. Yeah. No, exactly. it makes total yeah. sense. So uh-huh. um, all that just points to this is totally this is a new, yeah. generation. new generation. What gen yeah. are we on? Eight? Is this, this will be seven. 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 Um, gen seven. Yeah, the other thing that indicates that to me is... Um, I don't know. We're getting to Pokemon Bank, so, but uh, the way Pokemon Bank will work um, indicates that Sun and Moon are kind of uh, separate from how X and Y work with Pokemon Bank. So yeah, we'll get to that. But it, it does indicate a new generation. So mm-hmm. yeah. they they didn't really mention that the uh, Pokemon from the Virtual Console ports of mm-hmm. Red, Blue, Yellow will be able to transfer Pokemon to X and Y or yeah, they have the Pokemon Bank information. But we'll yeah. we'll get there. The other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The other thing I noticed is the wireframe bird Pokemon, which I th- looked sort of like Mandibuzz, and then I yeah. checked and it wasn't. Um, so new Pokemon indicates yeah. a new generation mm-hmm. as well. Totally, yeah. Yeah, My yeah, initial yeah. thought was that uh, that was like Fletchling, a prototype of like Fletchling, but yeah. it, it looks totally different. We also have a lot of legendaries that need their own story. Yeah. So, you know, they have their time to shine, but how they work with sun and moon theme is a little mm. weird. Um, yeah, like... We have- Pokemon from the moon, so, you know. Yeah, and yeah. there wasn't a Literally. single <laughs> shot of a moon in yeah. anything that they showed. Like, I was just there like, okay, where's the moon? What moon? There's a moon, right? Yeah. yeah. So. I was kind of hoping it would be a little bit more futuristic, maybe. Yeah. Um, because we don't see... Pokemon just kind of seems to happen within this bubble of time, and, yeah. like, technology isn't really far forward in any of them or anything. Mm-hmm. It's, it's um, ultra-contemporary in a yeah. lot of ways, yeah. yes. And we saw some art of vehicles, and mm-hmm. I was just a little bummed, because, like, here's a normal truck. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. carrying some Pokemon. But here's it's a, got a Machomp in there. Yeah, but then here's a Blastoise in a, you know, firefighter truck. It's... Yeah, that was... Weird. Interesting to me, because, like, in the anime, Pokemon have jobs, like, yeah. mach- and even in um, the games, like, uh, in Ruby and Sapphire, like, a Machamp helps you move in. Um, so, yeah, so it was interesting. I'm like, okay, are the trucks part of, like, how Pokemon help? Are they factoring? It was just weird, because, <laughs> Are you going like, to be able to drive? Like, Is yeah, that am, I, am I not, am I going to be a 10-year-old who can drive, or am I going to be, like, a 16-year-old who can drive? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah that... That was interesting. The The sun and moon thing is still pretty unclear. I wonder if it has to do with Zygarde and different Zygarde cores. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't think it would be Lunatone and Soul Rock. That doesn't really make sense. They, they, they wouldn't warrant that. Yeah. that, that would, they wouldn't Even warrant that. they do show up in that sizzle reel, I know everyone who was watching caught that and was like, totally. there yeah. it is. Yeah. The yeah. sun and the moon. Yeah. Yeah. Where's it going to go from <laughs> oh, here? Oh, right. Yeah. The double battle. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, the other options would be like Umbreon and Espeon are like day night Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Um, and But I the, again, like. It doesn't make sense. It's not a strong... It's not a strong... 
basis for a separate game, whereas Zygarde would be more mm-hmm. likely since Zygarde kind of needs its own. See, but I wonder if the yeah. Zygarde ship sailed just because they didn't do Pokemon Z. They, yeah. that, that was something folks were expecting, and mm-hmm. then that just didn't happen, right? right. Um, so it makes you wonder if, you know, Zygarde will probably be worked in, but if maybe the, the focus is, the focus in each gen, right, is always on this new type, in, yeah. in most cases, with the exception of Black and White, where right. that was a, a clear sequel to a previous game. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how they sort of tackle this thing. Yeah. Um, I'm also just really excited to see it because X and Y and Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire both look great, but they also the engine you can tell it was it was barely holding together in some cases, right? Mm-hmm. Like you'd have like a swarm of Pokemon show up and you'd just be there like you'd see like the creaking and, <laughs> yeah. and the frame rate taking yeah. and you'd be like, yeah. oh man. Yeah. Um, and you also already saw from the logo that it's gonna be mostly 2D with some areas you'll play in 3D. Right. So once again, you're gonna have, some folks are really disappointed by that. Like they wanna play a 3D Pokemon game all mm-hmm. the time. Right. Um, to those folks, my answer has always been too, like hey, you should calm that down because this thing is always connected to the internet if you connect through your Wi-Fi and you want to turn on 3D, like your 3DS is going to last you an hour. Totally. Yeah, like that's, that's not, true. Yeah, that's not realistic. Yeah. Like they have to consider this is an on-the-go game as well. Um, yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Definitely you know? have to factor in the technical limitations. Like even though yeah. we can dream big about a full 3D Pokemon world, it, there is a lot going on behind the scenes with like a the global trade system and mm-hmm. wonder trading and the PSS, especially in the last generation. So, yeah. Yeah. So I guess to wrap our thoughts on, you know, sort of where Sun and Moon are, mm-hmm. we don't really know what to think yet because we haven't yeah. seen it. And I think it'll be really exciting to see it. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening like Pokemon Company, make that reveal like <laughs> like worth it because... Real soon. Yeah. Well, or, or yeah. you know, in a, in a month or two, like clearly, yeah. probably before A3, you could imagine mm-hmm. they're going to show it to us. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's just take that bet. But... Um, I'm really interested to see how this thing's going to look because look how black and white turned out where they did turn that style and went really far with what they can do in 2D. Exactly. And I'm expecting that with 3D in this case. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Are we all on board with that? Yeah. 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 Cool. There there is that concept art uh, of the building with like the water Pokemon Pokemon outside of it and it's yeah. it looks like the way like Lumio City looked in 3D. That's right. In um, X and Y. So... Yeah, I'm excited to see what they do with that and sweet, what's sweet. new. All I want is some space action. I know we had some uh, <laughs> delving into space <laughs> in the Delta yes. episode of uh, Omega yeah. Alpha Sapphire. And so having a Pokemon series that takes place in space would be amazing. Oh, my God. I like this. Be, All right. Go to the Clefairy homeland. Also, I feel yeah. like it would, it, would, yeah, it would open up, like, the... Um, like create creativity to you know make like super like weird alien type Pokemon or something. Maybe yeah. they'll make a new type, alien yeah. type, yeah. alien <laughs> type, oh, man. space type, space time, anti gravity type. Can we do one more type? I guess we have to <laughs> buckle up for that. I would welcome as much balancing as possible. Yeah, fairy is a little bit. OP, not too OP, but um, mm. there's not a lot of good poison types to balance uh, fairy, so uh, it would be interesting introducing a new type and seeing how the metagame shifts and how type matchups shift. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So then let's start talking about um, just sort of Pokemon's 20th anniversary. I mean, the mm-hmm. table's full of plushies. We yeah. got an Ash Ketchum hat in the room. Mm-hmm. I've got Pokemon Green like right here because it's out in Japan. Mm-hmm. And I guess my question to everyone here is how has Pokemon endured 20 years? Like, what has been. What, what do you think are the reasons that this thing continues to sort of still be so dominant as a franchise? So I know a lot of people dislike the new generations every time they're like, oh, it keeps getting weaker and weaker. Mm-hmm. But that's part that keeps it alive because, like, this is a new generation. A new generation means 
this, you know, a new kid's generation. Like, mm-hmm. That's their generation. That's who they grew up with, yeah. you know? Um, and I think that's a big part of it. And, like, you see that with Doctor Who sometimes, too, is, like, mm-hmm. you keep getting new doctors, and mm-hmm. it's like, well, this is my doctor. I started with, with uh, Matt Smith, so he's Ugh. he's my doctor. <laughs> Me, too. <laughs> David my fine, personal but, doctor. Yeah, so, yeah, that's kind of like how it goes, right? Yeah. Like, you have, like, almost this ownership over this generation, and it right. just feels more personal to you. Mm. Um and of course, they always make great collectibles. So, <laughs> yeah. okay, okay, yeah. Like uh, going off of that, I, I have a friend who uh, tutors in Japan. She mm-hmm. was telling me she tutors this kid whose first Pokemon game was Diamond. Yeah, and I was blown away. I was like, <laughs> there are people alive who are that new to Pokemon, yeah. but I love that because um, the cool thing about Pokemon is its accessibility while remaining a deep game. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I think its strength is scaling, difficulty and scaling, uh, in, like investment. So a kid can play Pokemon and really enjoy the collection aspect or just beating the Elite Four, the journey aspect. Exploring. Yeah, exploring yeah. exploring a, a new region um, and getting to know new Pokemon. Whereas, you know, kids do this too, but but someone who, you know, is really familiar with Pokemon can dive really deeply into the metagame and really learn how behind-the-scenes stats work and stats you don't even see that you have to, like, kind of do weird math to figure out uh, and you can really scale that up and, and the Pokemon competitive game just keeps getting larger and and people get really into intense strategy for what works and, and how to be the very best <laughs> at, at <laughs> battling um, and raising Pokemon and breeding Pokemon so um, I think that's one of its strengths is it mm-hmm. endures because it scales back for anybody's what they want out of the game. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And piggybacking off of that, like, Mm -hmm. you know, on the surface, Pokemon is just like, you know, a game where you explore, collect, battle with your friends, Mm -hmm. trade. But again, like, it's so deep of Mm -hmm. a game. Like, you know, there's IVs, EVs, items, natures, abilities, movesets, Mm -hmm. type advantages. Mm -hmm. Like, these are all things that, like, just, I don't know. It's it's amazing, like how deep the game is, like under the surface. Yeah, and people keep discovering new things. Like in 2014, the world champion won with a Pachirisu. That was a huge which deal. Is, which was a huge, yeah. huge deal because that metagame is extremely narrow. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of flexibility, and it's really cool to see people being like, "Well, I need this for my team, and this Pokemon that nobody thought of can do that for me." Mm-hmm. And bringing that Pokemon in and being really creative with that. Oh, yeah. Um, like the, it keeps it keep. I was gonna say it keeps evolving. Uh, <laughs> uh. Well, I mean, you're not going for the intentional pun, so I think it's all right. But I, I do think, yeah, no, it, it is a series that, um, despite kind of sticking to a very strict formula, and we're gonna talk a little bit about maybe some places we'd love to see that formula change. Mm-hmm. Totally. But it does adhere to a very strict formula, a very specific type of journey. But at the same time, each installment still manages to kind of capture kids and right. entertainment investment, and really like sort of have them thinking like hmm you know who am I going to start with like yeah. that's you from that first choice mm-hmm. and then moving forward well what what uh, what Pokemon do I want to catch and and sometimes like even looking into that right like people look at the box and make a decision oh man that one that looks one. cool yeah, I yeah. want this this. Is, this is what I'm starting yeah, with this, yeah. this, is, this is what I'm this is what I'm going for um, but then you you look at yeah the, you know the deep metagame and whatnot but let's step outside of even the games for a second mm-hmm. you know like in terms of the entertainment product in mm-hmm. terms of like the anime and how they approach like telling their stories very kid friendly approach look at um, the championship and how it gets all of these people excited for multiple forms 
of this game. I mean, there's the mm, card TCG, game kids yeah. who come in who just like that's the fastest shuffling I've ever seen outside of Vegas. Like <laughs> yes. I can't believe it. Um, but they're able to, you know, you're able to keep up, and folks will tune in and watch and be mm-hmm. like really excited by it. Um, and I mean, they've had movies, they've done like so many things. It's it's one of the few brands that it it can. It's multimedia, like mm-hmm. it, it's mm-hmm. it's everywhere, and it's on everything, and it's been doing it since the late '90s. Yeah, it's on yeah. snacks. It's on like that's right <laughs> dishware. Yeah, like the, in Japan, they always have uh, like lottery prizes, and a lot of the lottery pro- prizes are like hand towels. I've got I've got oh, one yeah. of those. Yeah, and yeah. some socks. Nice. Yeah, I'm wearing them right now. Some socks. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, I I also Can't like um, having. I think they're really smart about exclusive or like special edition mm-hmm. uh, merchandise um, that Miranda and I are both really crazy about. Yeah, they're always such high quality. Um, mm-hmm. I'm so jealous because Japan always has like the really cool collectibles. Um, we import a lot. We, we <laughs> import a yeah, lot. Yeah, so the Pokemon centers often will have like monthly releases of different products or different mm-hmm. lines. Like there was a recent one where it was like Pokemon... Market, I think Pokemon it was. Market, yeah, yeah. It was super cute. And it's just them going shopping, like shopping. Like yeah. um, one of the lines was like, I wonder what I'm going to get today. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like this really cute, weird thing. And yeah, and like Little Tales. Where yeah, it's like Little Tales will have artist pe- collaborations. Yeah, so it's a different art style with Pikachu wearing like a nice. like a top hat and a bow tie. Like, they just do really special edition stuff like that. It okay. doesn't really come over here. Yeah, yeah, so yeah no, definitely. It's really cool how they handle them. They're always like such good quality too. And you'll see some of that. Um, now, thankfully, the PokemonCenter.com, they have a lot of really good products. Like, yeah. they have little Katari, these little the sleepy guys, sleeping oh, ones. Oh, nice. The ones you there. have on the mics. Yeah. All right. Um, which is cool. So, they handle everything really well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also think they're really smart. Uh, just as a final point, I guess, for this, I think Pokemon Company and, and the developer, you know, Game Freak and, and Creatures and all the folks involved mm-hmm. are just really smart about when they pull the trigger mm-hmm. for a new Pokemon game and yeah. where it's going to be. Um, I know this morning I saw some disappointment that, uh, well, why isn't this on NX? Um, mm. And, like, if history has taught us anything, Pokemon will go for an install base. I mean, from its inception, they went for it on uh, the Game Boy hardware, which at the time had, we said at the start, had been <laughs> very long in the tooth in terms of how many years it had been available. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sort of rejuvenated and picked up sales for that. Right. And, you know... 3DS's install base is at, isn't near where DS was. Like, mm-hmm. DS made it to the 100 million mark mm-hmm. unit sales yeah. in terms of uh, hardware. 3DS is closer to 50 plus million units. Mm-hmm. But if you're the Pokemon company and if you're trying to make the biggest slash possible, splash possible, you're going to do that. You can't say any move type, by the way, on the podcast. <laughs> no, splash. Yeah. Any, any. You, already, you already said sucker punch, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. Um, but you can't, you're going to make the biggest splash on the hardware base that's basically already there. And totally. so they're um, going for 3DS. It's what they did with um, Black and White. If yeah. People were expecting that to be you oh. know, the next gen yeah. console or mm-hmm. on 3DS, but nope. Yeah. Also, I want to point out that it is Pocket Monsters. So mm-hmm. making it a console thing is just a little. Asynchronous, they did have Pokemon Stadium, yeah. but it wasn't a mainline thing. It was actually compatible with the um, the handheld games. Same with Coliseum and XD right. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, they always keep it connected to the handheld. Yeah. So I don't know if they would completely depart from it for a new generation. Yeah. Like I don't. Well, and we don't know what NX is. Yeah, like, yeah we don't even thing. know what that is. Yeah, <laughs> like that's the that's the biggest uh, reason. So I saw some disappointment over that this morning. I'm just like, I don't know mm. if you understand who they're going for and who right, they're yeah. selling to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'd be disappointed to see. 
I mean, it may be a weird one, but like a core Pokemon game like that on a on a console because it's just not it's not ideal how you play yeah. Pokemon. I don't unless want that. this NX yeah. thing ends up being the home hybrid hybrid. Excuse me, the home handheld hybrid. That's a that's a tongue twister <laughs> device yeah. that yeah. you are going to take with you and then plug in into something when you so get no. home. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't make sense yet for this to happen. Yeah, I mean, I I had the same thing with Animal Crossing, like a, a game that is designed for the way handheld users play just doesn't. I mean, like, so when Animal Crossing went to DS, it was so improved. Uh, yeah. And then when they went back to Wii, I was like, this was, doesn't work for my playstyle anymore. Yeah, I played it way far less. Played, I, I played City yeah. Folk, like, not at all, and yeah. I'm obsessed with Animal Crossing. And so it's sort of the same thing for Pokemon with me, where it's like, my style is I get on the train on my way home from, home from work, I hatch a couple eggs, none of them work, I release all the Pokemon, <laughs> and then I'm like, all right, I'll try again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Like, I play in increments that way because breeding is sort of a grind and you yeah. kind of need to break it up. Well, and it's better just, as a game you can take with yeah, you. Yeah, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't, having it on console wouldn't fit my play style. Maybe, you know, Pokemon Stadium as a kid, like, I'll have people come over and we'll, we would play, yeah, like the mini games and stuff, but it's for a mainline game, it just doesn't fit the yep. m- anybody's play style. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll see. I'm willing to bet this is the Black Friday, uh, sort of the week before Black Friday game. Like, it, it sort of has to be. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to do great for 3DS this yeah. holiday because this past holiday was was pretty much um, a rough year for them. Yeah. All right. So let's move over to our last topic today. And it's funny that you brought up Animal Crossing and especially like sort of um, we've talked about this with, with Pokemon, but both series in a lot of ways are series that are somewhat resistant to change. Mm-hmm. There's a certain formula and there's a certain mm-hmm. way that both unfold. But let's focus on Pokemon here. Um where are places where the next Pokemon kind of needs to improve? The next Pokemon mm-hmm. game needs to kind of take that step forward, call it an evolution, call it whatever <laughs> you want. Like, it is it, it is a new gen. So, mm-hmm. like, what's that wish list look so like? Like, what do we, you guys want? We I, are working on a feature for this to okay. go on IGN.com that you should be looking for. Wow. Um, cool mm. website. Yeah. Wow, it's <laughs> really cool. You plugs, should check plugs. it out. Um, All right. Uh, yeah, I'll let Mondo, uh, I just wanted to point that I guess, out before yeah, we started. Yeah, of course. Uh, at the tippy top of my list, I would love to see different typings as starter Pokemon. Yeah. Um, you know, r- uh, fire, grass, water types, I love them, but seen them every game so far. Mm-hmm. I would love for them to switch it up, and I know mm-hmm. that's difficult considering the whole like rock, paper, scissor dynamic that each yeah. one of them has. Uh, so th- I think the only typing that would, the typing combination that would work in a similar way would be psychic, dark, and fighting types. That would be that would be so awesome. Cool. Yeah. Or it'd be cool if it was like in a wave, right? Like it would be like if you want to start with this set, here are your three choices. Mm-hmm. If you want to start with this set, here are those yeah. three choices. So you're Yeah, it'd be interesting if, if uh Sun and Moon had Good something choice. similar to that. Because yeah, you know, yeah. if you go with that set, it's kind of like a darker set. Exactly. Like moon. Yeah. yeah, that would be so cool, especially because um psychic and fighting, especially I really like dark Pokemon, but yeah. I think those are sort of underused types. Mm-hmm. And um I don't know. It would be really cool to see a deviation from that formula that still teaches type matchups yeah. because yeah. I think yeah. that's an important aspect of, of beginning a Pokemon well, game. Well, I think it gets overlooked too because it shows up so late in the campaign or so much yeah. later in the game itself, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I think I, I see what they're going for sort of just to teach you the rock, paper, scissors element, which I think is a great thing to mm-hmm. point out, but maybe take for granted that there are different ways to teach that and mm-hmm. not just rely on the most basic sort of combination. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. What else you guys got? What, what's up, what else is on this wish list? I, got, I have something, which is that I want story to get better. Mm-hmm. I yeah. feel like yeah. X and Y, which was the last new gen, that was the 
the one place I felt disappointed most. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there were nods to, you know, uh, the kid, the ki- what's the kid with the shorts? Uh, Joey. Joey. Joey that everyone loves. Oh, like, there, yeah. there, there are these yeah. loving references to Pokemon and f- that Pokemon fans will pick up. Yeah. But I, mean, I felt that. they had an over 9,000 joke, too. Yes, they <laughs> did. Yeah, yeah. But I felt like in terms of entertainment that scales really well for an audience that is kids to adult, which mm-hmm. we've seen examples of that. Look at like Inside Out is a great example mm-hmm. of that, right? Yeah. That is a, a movie that uh, I, I think it was a Pixar film mm-hmm. that, um, you know, the jokes hit for the kids and the jokes hit really well for mm-hmm. the adults. Uh, the Muppet Show used to be a great example of that too. Jokes hit for kids, jokes hit for adults. Right. I feel like Pokemon, especially in X and Y, felt like it was more kid friendly than ever Um, and I'm not asking for something dark or something Hmm. you know uncomfortable like I I understand the limitations of the audience you want to speak to but at the same time I do think that you need to take into account that there's a bigger audience here and we can still tell a kid friendly store without talking down to your audience exactly Mm -hmm. I mean if you look at like Steven Universe and stuff like that it does Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. really well and executes it and I think that is something we definitely need because some of these stories get a little tiring they do And it's not like Pokemon doesn't have its dark aspects. I mean, like, you look at Cubone and Mm -hmm. the fact that every Cubone wears its mother's skull. Or that Slowpoke tales are sought after by poachers. Or (laughs) just go read the Pokedex entries. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like, there's tons of ghost Pokemon that have really creepy entries. Drifloon. Drifloon. (laughs) Yamask. Yamask is the... Look up Yamask right now. It's so creepy. Yeah. Um... So it's not like they that's uncharted territory. Like they mm-hmm. could they could explore that a little bit without getting depressing and awful and alienating yeah. especially like the younger audience. Yeah. Um so it would be cool to see them maybe break away from the you did it trainer. Congratulations. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um because it feels like going through the motions at this point. I did yeah. like that in X and Y there were different kids with different specialities for like different focuses for the yes. Pokemon. Yes. You had one who was trying to catch them, one who thought they were adorable, one mm. who wanted to teach them to dance. Yeah. <laughs> um, and even though that's not a, a typical aspiration for a Pokemon that. master, it was still something that I thought was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so on that front, I think you, you you did it right. But on the rest, I mean, the rest of the campaign just sort of yeah. felt by the numbers. Do so, you ever uh, wonder like why can't if the Elite Four is so great, why can't they help? <laughs> yeah, right? Why isn't the Elite Four doing this? Yeah. I'm just 10. I am 10 years old. Uh, <laughs> um, there's also some interesting uh, theories about the Pokemon world um, that I think would be fun to to play off of. Like, mm-hmm. um, There was this theory floating around for especially the first two generations. Like, where are the men? Where are all of the mid- like? 30 to 40 year old men where is your dad where right. are the dads well, that, and there yeah. was this theory that there was this like poke apocalypse oh and there was goodness. this war started over po- Pokemon and mm-hmm. all the men died oh wow, oh, wow. <laughs> well, I heard that they were all just you know drafted into the navy into yeah. the army because then you got they're, Lieutenant Surge they're all and almost everyone on the yeah. SS uh, the SSN yeah. in Gen 1 they're all drafted all yeah. So, there was yeah. this poke war so um, and that's just one of the ways this game shows it's Japanese design right because yeah. like it's just like with Earthbound right dad's never home because dad's at work mm-hmm. yeah and, yeah a lot of RPGs, uh, there are absent father figures, and Pokemon yeah. has definitely been uh, one of them. Yeah. Outside of Professor Oak or whichever professor they decided to put who's yeah. a male, or, you don't meet many males. Or Norman in uh, Gen 3. Yeah. 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 That's right. And that was a really direct relationship because that mm-hmm. was your pops. It was yep. like, that's your yeah. actual dad. Now fight him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Replace him. My goal Take is your to, place to, by my side. To fight my dad. <laughs> Let's go, dad. Really rule um, the galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah pretty much. Um, All right. Some yeah. other areas for change. What, what, where else are you guys looking for like something to change in, in Sun and Moon? Time. I want I want the time to be different. Like okay. that's what I had on yeah, earlier. It's just like it's still just in the same technological space and it'd be kinda cool to see a little bit more futuristic or 
even less less mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Like it'd be kind of cool just to see how the world changes with that. Okay. And I think it would give you more opportunities for different storylines. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So she I wants agree. to be in the future. All right. Yeah. I cool. I brought this up a little like a little bit earlier uh, with Mm -hmm. Pokemon Bank. So they did release an official statement about how that works and Mm -hmm. transferring from the virtual console, red, blue, yellow to Pokemon Bank. It's only compatible with sun and moon. It Mm -hmm. won't be compatible with XY or Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire, which makes me think that they're sort of tweaking the, the engine or making something in sun and moon, uh, to be able to fix the stat problems because like it, yeah. you know it sometimes people don't remember this but uh, in first gen there was no special attack special defense it, it was, was just special one, yeah. Yeah. Um, which in order to transfer those Pokemon forward they they would need to be randomly generated stats right. uh, also natures and abilities and gender. genders um, yep. stuff right. like that so there's a lot that has to be um, translated essentially when you when you bring a Pokemon forward in time mm-hmm. uh, forward in generation so that's interesting. I'm wondering what about Sun and Moon is going to be able to fix that. Are they tweaking mm-hmm. something? Are they changing yeah. something about the back end? Yep. Um, so it does look like there is there is change happening behind the scenes yeah. at least. Mm-hmm. So even if we don't get story changes or something like that, there's going to be something fresh about yeah, these. Totally. Yeah, and Pokemon Bank is uh, proving to be something that, if anything, is going to help make the transitions between gens easier. Mm-hmm. Because prior to that thing, it was it was uh, a spreadsheet of different <laughs> techniques yeah. and mm-hmm. things you had to do. Pal park and yeah, yeah, in order to move something forward. Um, and I, I, for example, like I, I actually have my Pokemon bank uh, with all the Pokemon I caught from X and Y, and I didn't really make it through Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, but due to this excitement, I will. I yeah. think that's going to be my next, uh, oh, my next thing to slowly. Oh, please play the Delta episode. It's yeah. so worth it. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. See, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I, so my roommate uh, pointed this out to me, but it is kind of a bummer, though, to see like certain like very exclusive Pokemon, especially in that game, are all of a sudden just gifts. Mm. They're just like, oh, here you go. Here's, um, oh, my God, who, who the one that... Latios? Well, Latios and Latias mm-hmm. specifically. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. they're just like, here you go. And you're like, wait a minute. This is not how this <laughs> yeah. was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, this is not how this should be. This shouldn't be this easy. Like, I'm sorry. Well, yeah. I mean, you can argue that it's kind of, they've always done that. In Pokemon Yellow, you're handed Charmander, Bulbasaur, and... Uh, Squirtle. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Or true. Pikachu in that one specifically. Yeah, oh, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> you can have them now. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's different. Like in Gen 2, like catching the legendary dogs uh, is really hard because they yeah. run away oh, immediately. Right. You have yeah. to like specifically the strategy is, you know, a false swipe or a yeah. putting them to sleep kind of thing. And you have to work around that. Yeah. And you did that with Latios and Latios originally That's, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when they just hand it to you, it's like, oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Guess I okay. don't have to do any of that. But yeah. then they added like the Eon flute and being mm-hmm. able to explore from Mirage spots. Mm-hmm. So they kind of balanced it like the Mirage spots, you have to work really hard to mm-hmm. catch yeah. certain Pokemon. Totally. Yeah. And also, the other consideration is again, for competitive play, you have to do a lot of RNG manipulation mm-hmm. um, for the correct stats on legendaries because they added legendaries to the competitive. <laughs> shaking You're my shaking head. your head. I, yeah, shake like, your head. Let you, it out. I think it's a terrible idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally ruining the metagame. It's you can have a mega, a primal Groudon, and another legendary. It's trash. Don't it's do totally it. Illegal it's totally illegal. It's totally illegal. It's they shouldn't have done it. They shouldn't have done it anyway. Um, but because of that, the ability to get these legendaries and know where they're going to be and being able to soft reset is kind of helpful in that mm-hmm. regard. Um, I wish it wasn't almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I sort of understand the thinking behind making it a little more accessible. Sure, sure. Uh, what? Um, one more. Sorry, were you? 
I'm done. Oh, I'm sure. still mad. I'm, I'm, like, I'm over She's here. She's fuming. If you're, if, you're, if you're listening only, there's smoke coming out of well, Callie's head at the moment. Maybe yeah. this will fuel the fire. But another one thing that I absolutely want in the next gen, and I have strong hopes that it's going to happen in Gen 7, more evolutions. Yes! Always more, though. Everybody loves them so much. Dude. And they, a lot of their campaigns, especially in Japan, mm-hmm. have evolution stuff. Mm-hmm. So Same. I don't see why they wouldn't. Yeah. They have a whole evolution. They had a whole like line, like we were talking about yeah. earlier, like so, Pokemon market and stuff they yeah, had a whole yeah. evolution line so so for the uh let's say the casual poker listener you need to tell them what evolutions <laughs> is go okay. for it it's Quickly. um so eevee can evolve into a number of different types and it's these branching evolutions so in the first gen there were three they added two in second and then they kept adding and so now we're up to eight um but there's lots of types, obviously, that are overlooked. I'm hoping for a scrappy fighting type Eevee. I want my dragon Eevee, please. Dragon Eevee. <laughs> I want ghost Eevee, but I think that's really dark because that's implying that you, like, killed it's your... Borderline <laughs> yokai yeah, watch. Yeah, right yeah. Like, you have to... Borderline uh, y- Yabanyan? Is that what his yeah. name is? Yabanyan. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah. yeah, so Eevee-lutions are, are fun because the whole... The whole point of them is choice. Mm-hmm. You get to choose, you know, this Pokemon gets to turn into anything I want. And a lot of them are actually really useful and super strong Pokemon, especially Sylveon's the most recent edition, and Sylveon's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the fairy type one. So. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so too because I love them. And that's my favorite Pokemon thing to collect first. Like, mm-hmm. I don't go for all Pokemon first, I go for my evolutions. Yeah. Like, all right, gotta get these first. Yeah. I. I'm in the middle of training my Sylveon right now, and it's like perfectly bred, and it's perfect, and I love it so much, and I love Eevee. It's my favorite Pokemon. <laughs> All right. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, so this whole Pokemon Bank thing also makes me wonder, just in terms of generations, uh, prior generations, will Gen 1 or will most of Gen 1 not be catchable in that game standalone? And is that <laughs> something that you're going to need uh, Pokemon, you know, the, the originals, the virtual console releases for? I don't know if Pokemon Company would be that nefarious, but I wouldn't yeah. put it past just to kind of balance that out or it, make that Well, a if thing. we look at the trailer, there's the screenshot, I think it's concept art, of that water building. With horses. Yeah, the yeah. horsey yeah, statue. Yeah, yeah. And, um, so there'll be some, but maybe not all, yeah. but, but who knows. Also, if they keep the global trade system, which I imagine they would. Oh, absolutely better. I yeah. love the global trade Such a good idea. system. Mm-hmm. I love Wonder Trade. Um, uh, if they keep that, it's pretty easy to get what you need, even mm-hmm. if it's not available in the game, even yeah. if you don't have Pokemon Bank. Um, it's pretty easy to like yep. to be like hey I have this ditto do you want to give me a Nidoran <laughs> or... not that that's an e- equal trade at all <laughs> <laughs> I might be alone but I don't know how you guys feel but Heart Gold Soul Silver best Pokemon game like ever and what made it so great agree post game you could go back to Kanto which is generation yeah. 1 yeah. Version, and catch a lot of gen 1 Pokemon battle those gym leaders yeah. and it was amazing that was the best surprise of that yeah. game yeah. 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 And, it was um, all thanks to Awada by the way yeah. I just want to say oh. yeah <laughs> and, um, he will be remembered. I wanted yeah. to point out yeah. to this line that Ishihara says in the in the Pokemon Direct this morning yeah. is that it all comes together in in Pokemon Sun and Moon, and. Don't want to speculate too hard, <laughs> but I'm really hoping for multi-regions in this next Pokemon game. That would be really yeah. cool. That would be cool. That would be cool. Uh, I'd die. <laughs> for, for my last uh, piece on this wish list, I thought one of the coolest things about X and Y was discovering, because, I mean, it was it was a global release, first time they'd ever done that in mm-hmm. Pokemon series. Usually it came on Japan first, and then everyone else would get it. Uh, I hope I say his name right, but Vivillian. The Vivillon. Vivillon. I love the discovery that each region had its own pattern. And that it didn't last forever, right? Like the, the, the whole mystique around it. But it was still so cool to find out America had its own version, Japan yeah. had its own version. And and people mm-hmm. were trading them and it almost became this this sort of 
self-contained metagame mm-hmm. to get them all, even though yeah. you weren't going to use them for battle purposes. Yeah. It was more just a collection it's aspect. It's not even a new Pokedex entry. It's yeah. just you want to have each pattern. And, right. and someone calculated how long, by the way, Spinda has different spots. Like There's a mm-hmm. bunch of different yeah. combinations, huh. and it would take you years to get every Spinda if you yeah. were constantly catching Spinda. That's right. So like, there's people who do stuff like that that even though there's no in-game reward for it, it's like, look, I have every VV on. Mm-hmm. Um even the French exclusive one that everybody was mad about because it was only in France, yep. um, stuff like that. No, it was definitely a cool surprise and something that I will say uh, with this next game, I'm looking forward to. Totally. Yeah. All right, definitely well, we've got it. Inclusion we, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So we've got to end here. Thank you so much for listening to Nintendo Voice Chat. I hope if you're watching the video, you enjoy this beautiful set dressing. <laughs> this is all Callie and Miranda. Armando, did you contribute I anything? Did, I did, okay, I did. as well. Yeah. I have none of these toys, so I think this is pretty awesome. <laughs> um, lastly, you can support the show by emailing us at mvc at ign.com. Let us know what your Pokemon wish list is for Sun and Moon. Or you can also uh, leave us a review on, on iTunes. Let us know what you think of the show. Mm-hmm. Lastly, you can find us all on Twitter. You can find Miranda Sanchez at... Hi, the Grossens. Have a good okay? Okay. You can find Callie Plaggy at... Inky Dojiko. I-N-K-Y-D-O-J-I-K-K-O. All right. And you can find Armando at... Underscore Mondo Torres. All right. And you can find myself, Jose underscore Otero. Thank you so much for listening and happy Pokemon yeah. 20 anniversary. We'll be back next week. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.